on air for Fan for Racing Radio tonight. Uh, this is for our Pocono and Utah NASCAR Race Review. And joining me shortly will be co-host Sal Sagala. Uh, we also have NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. with co-host Andy Lasky and our Fan for Racing crew. Uh, real quick, I'm going to go through our agenda here uh, while we're waiting for Sal to come in. Uh, we do have three guests coming in tonight at 8.40. We have Jesse Love with Bill McAnally Racing. Uh, he won the first uh, twin race at Utah Motorsports Campus on Saturday. And then uh, at 9 o'clock, well, t- 9.30, we have Blaine Perkins, who won the second <laughs> twin race at Utah Motorsports Park for the Arca West Series on Saturday. Nine o'clock, our guest is Joe Graff, Jr. with SS Greenlight Racing, and we have a lot that we're going to talk with Joe about and uh, a little bit of an announcement to make as well there. So uh, stay tuned for that information. Now, uh, joining me now is our co-host, Sal Sagala. Sal, it's going to be a busy night We've got three races to review, all before Jesse Love gets here at 8.40. So we've got to get right to it. All right. Good evening, everyone. I'm back. I'm here, ready to go. Let's do it. Yes, we're we're happy to have you. All right. I'm going to be giving the uh, race results. Sal's going to be going through the points uh, standings. Uh, I'm going to start with the Arkham Menard Series. They raced at Pocono this weekend, and the winner, uh, second race this year that he's won, Ty Gibbs uh, in the number 18 uh, for Gibbs Racing. Second place is Chandler Smith in the number 20 Billy Venturini car. Then Sam Mayer with GMS Racing came in third in the 21 uh, car. Fourth place is Brett Holmes in the 23 car. And uh, in fifth place is Michael Self, another Venturini entry in that number 25 car. The next five uh, will round out the top ten. Drew Dollar, uh, the winner at Talladega, came in sixth. Then you've got Haley Deegan in seventh, Derek Griffith in eighth, Ryan Huff in ninth, and Scott Melton rounds out that top ten. So uh, a really good racing, and Ty Gibbs uh, really uh, dominated that event. Yeah, it was a really good race, like you said, Sharon. Uh, um, it went, kind of went uh, Ty Gibbs' way, the 18 car. And, and I know it's funny because they kept talking about Riley Herbst in the car, you know. But um, mm-hmm. his first Arca win, his first Arca win came in that car. I think I think it was like three years ago. But um, yeah, it was a very good dominating win by him. And uh, you know, it's, it's good to see you know what the wins are, are getting. They're getting kind of tossed around now, you know. Everybody's, you know, picking up a win here and there. So, you know, it's just not one driver who's dominating the series. Okay. You want to go over the points for the uh, Arkham Menard series, Sal? Yeah, and then the points, we got uh, Michael Self uh, leading the points in first. Uh, Drew Dollars in second. Um, Haley Deegan third. Brett Holmes fourth. And Tanner Gray run off the top five. And, um, and then when we go down to the next to the next uh, five, it'll be Dad Moffitt, Brian Huff, Sean Kors, Scott Melton, and Ty Gibbs rounds out the the top ten in the points so far. Okay, 
So uh, Microsoft still maintains that top spot, which is really good. Two races at Utah Motorsports Campus this weekend, Sal. Uh, I'm going to go over the uh, Twin 30 race number one. Jesse Love from Bill McAnally Racing took that victory in the number 19 car for uh, BMR. Second place is Chris Wright in third. This doesn't sound right. This sounds like the... Okay, this might be right. Geo Selfie uh, in the 16 again for uh, BMR uh, came in in third place. Ta- Taylor Gray finished in fourth. And Will Rogers rounds out the not- top five drivers. Going down to the next five, you have Todd Souza, Gracie Trotter, Brian Kaminsky, Holly Holland, that's another uh, Bill McAnally car, and Bobby Hillis Jr. rounds out the top ten. Yeah, you know what? Actually, Sharon, um, Jesse Love is in the is in the uh, he's in the nineteenth. Uh, That's part. what I said. Yeah. I thought I said the nineteenth. Okay. Uh, okay. No, I'm sorry. I I I I, I, I thought I heard you said the sixteenth. Oh no, it was the nineteenth. Okay. Okay, and then uh, I'll go ahead and do race number two, and then you can do the point standings. Okay, Sal. All right. Okay, series point uh, race number two. It was the number nine of Sunrise Ford driver Blaine Perkins winning that race. Uh, Jesse Love again. Bill McAnally Racing came in second place. Uh, in third place was Chris Wright in the number seven with Pitts Racing. In uh, fourth place is Gio Scalzi in that number sixteen car for BMR. And in fifth place is Trevor Huddleston rounding out the top five, also a Sunrise Ford driver in the number six. The next five drivers are Todd Souza, Gracie Trotter, Will Rogers, Brian Kaminsky, and Holly Holland rounding out that top ten. Really two big finishes uh, for Blaine Perkins and Jesse Love. Yeah, 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 I was just going to say, and, and actually, the reason I, I think the reason Blaine Blaine had a good shot at winning the first race, but he ended up with the flat uh, flat tire, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what what de- what negated it to you know to drop that far back. So with yeah, the win by which... Jesse and, and the win, yeah, and the win by Blaine, you know, it did tighten up the point standings, you know, uh, tremendously. Mhm. There is a change if you want to go through those points. Yeah, we'll go to the points now. So, eating um, <clears throat> the points is uh, is Jesse Love, of course, as we know, he picked up uh, his first win, and actually, is in his third, second start, he picked up his mm-hmm. win as a rookie. And then, um, and then we go down to Blake Perkins, who's in second, who also picked up a win on Saturday. Third is Gio Selzy, fourth is Gracie Trotter, fifth is Todd Sousa. And then uh, that's rounding out the top five. The next five going down is uh, six is Trevor Huddleston, who's uh, Blaine Perkins' teammate with Bob Brucati Racing. And then Lawless Allen at seventh, who's also Jesse Love's uh, teammate, and Gracie Trotter with uh, Bill McAnally Racing. And then from there you go to Holly Holland, who's another Bill McAnally driver. So you got um, a, another one in eighth. And then Bobby Hillen, or Bobby, Bobby Hills Jr. in ninth. And how's this? Takuma Koga in the top ten 
in, uh, in, in driver's points. I think this is the first time in the, in the years that he's been driving in the, um, I in love the series it. coming up. Yeah. Call, coming all the way from Japan, driving for, for Joe, uh, for Joe Nava and, uh, the King Taco car is a uh, Takuma Kobali from Japan. It's in, in 10th place right now. So, uh, we got a, a good, uh, a good battle going on for the, you know, for, uh, first in points, Lane and Jesse are only nine, nine points apart right now. Well, Jesse's got to feel pretty good about how well he did over the weekend at Utah Motorsports Campus, and uh, he's joining us right now. So let me start off by saying, Jesse, congratulations on your victory and second-place finish out in Utah this weekend in just your second and third race with the Arkham Menard Series West. Yeah, thank you. You guys can hear me all right? Yes, I can hear you. All right, yeah. So, obviously, it was, you know, definitely really cool to be able to pick up uh, my first win and just my second start in the West Series. And overall, it was a really cool race, and it was even cooler to pick up Bill McAnally Racing's 100th win um, in the West Series, which makes it that much better. Um, So, overall, a really cool weekend, and it was a cool way to cap it off. It really is, and and now you're leading the series point standings. Uh, Jesse, do you even have your uh, driver's license yet? <laughs> I don't. I don't even have my permit yet either. <laughs> you don't even have your permit yet, but uh, you're just 15 years of age, and uh, you're already winning races in stock cars, and uh, I just think that's fantastic. Um, talk a little bit about what, how you got into racing. Yeah, so I started off when I was about five years old in quarter midget uh, with my with my dad at uh, Baylands Quarter Midget Club, which is only about 30 minutes away from my house. And basically, Tony Biscacci, my dad's pretty much one of my, one of my dad's best friends. Um, he had, his daughter uh, was in racing. Both of his daughters actually, uh, they were all involved in racing in quarter midgets at the time. So I thought, you know, or my dad thought it was a cool idea just to take me to the shop. And you know, I still remember getting into, uh, you know, one of the uh, girls' cars for the first time. And, you know, I just, my dad obviously saw the expression on my face, so we decided to go um, try it out at Baylands. And we did, uh, you know, a cool little few days, track days, getting better and better. And we, you know, we graduated, got our QMA license that day. And from then on, we just kept on uh, going quarter measure racing up until I was about 10 years old. Wow, that's fantastic. And so now you're uh, racing with one of the premier teams in the Arkham and Hart Series West, Bill McAnally Racing, and uh, winning that second race of your career uh, with the Arkham and Hart Series West. So tell us about uh, your thoughts as you were racing on Saturday and you realized that uh, the win was within reach. Yeah, so... so to look at it through my perspective of the whole weekend, right, because it was actually pretty interesting. Um, we unloaded, uh, and I obviously have a, you know, I had a ton of faith and a bunch of confidence in my number 19 Napa Toyota crew, but it was a little bit on my side. It wasn't my strong suit. You know what I mean? Road course, I have a, I do have a world championship in road racing, but um, as far as, you know, some of the guys go, like Blaine Perkins, um, from what I heard, he obviously grew up go-karting and, and doing legend cars and stuff like that. Lawless Allen did a full year TA2 racing last year. Um, and then Chris Wright, uh, who was sent over in the seven car, he obviously, mm-hmm. you know, is, you know, one of the best road racers out there. So it was, 
a weird dynamic of, you know, making sure that I was going to be able to run with all those guys and figuring out, okay, how can I make sure that I minimize my mistakes and uh, make sure that I can be able to run up front with those guys. So there was a ton of preparation, probably the most preparation I've ever put into a race went into last weekend, and it definitely paid off. But it was uh, a definitely an interesting dynamic because I almost felt like this was, you know, um, one of my – uh, I don't know. I don't, it's hard to say, but one of my least, you know, favorable chances to win the race was this weekend on a road course, right? So um, it, it definitely paid off really well, and it's definitely a confidence boost. We got that out of the way. We came out of there with a points lead. Um, I was definitely, you know, a little bit nervous, but I knew that with all the preparation and a great team behind me that it was going to be possible and that it was uh, within reach. But like you said, yeah, once I figured out that the win was, was in reach was probably about lap one when I got to second place from third and I was able to, you know, stay with the nine car. Um, so that was, that was kind of cool. I was able to stay with the nine car. Um, and then I was able to, you know, reel them in sometimes. And sometimes she was able to reel me in. We were better in different spots on the racetrack. So I had to make sure that, um, I could minimize, um, my mistakes and maximize and put just enough pressure to make sure that he would make mistakes. Um, and he was pretty predictable. I knew where he was going to be fast. I knew where he was going to be slow. Um, so I knew where I was going to be able to get him on restarts. And then the next restart, I was able to uh, get one from him. Okay. Well, that's fantastic, Jesse. Now, you know, joining us is our co-host, Sal Sigala, and I know he has some questions for you as well. So, Sal's up next. Jesse, first of all, congratulations on the win. Gosh, you know, and actually, you you almost swept the, and the last time that the Can and West. Well, that's not Can and Out's Mark of Nards West. But the last time the West Series was at uh, Utah Motorsports Park, um, Noah Gregson ended up picking up the sweep and swept off Saturday and Sunday. So um, I'm sure that was kind of on the back of your mind, you know, as, as you're uh, you know fighting for the for the win in the second race. Yeah, definitely a little bit because obviously I put a lot of effort and time into the a lot of preparation into the weekend. So I was able to look at a bunch of videos and footage and obviously seeing Noah, um, you know, pretty much dominate the first one and then, you know, kind of get one from Todd Gale in the next race was obviously a pretty cool, you know, weekend there. And um, that was about the time that I met Noah too was, was when he won those two races. So uh, yeah, definitely like you said, in the back of my mind throughout the whole race. You know, um, most of your racing is done on ovals. Uh, where, where did this, um, uh, uh, where did this uh, uh, road course uh, experience come in at? So, yeah, like you said, most of my experience comes from oval racing, but I did do a little bit of, you know, kind of in the in the winter time. I do a uh, legend car series just to stay sharp because uh, obviously there's no open wheel racing, there's no stock car racing in the winter, so um, at least in America. So I was able to uh, do some road racing with Robert Gaten Racing. Um, over in uh, Vegas and, you know, just get my skills better and sharpen my skills. And then I was able to also win a world championship in Las Vegas two years ago, I think it was as well. So um, obviously I'm not the most experienced road racer out there, but I definitely know my, my way around a uh, road course. So who would you say is, is the one coach, you know, that really helped, you know, you know, when it came to, you know, to getting ready for this, you know, for Utah, especially with Utah being a lot bigger than, you know, then what, well, since we didn't make it to Sonoma this year, but, you know, Sonoma's a lot smaller, but Utah's a bigger track and it's a lot faster, you know, as far as the speed you guys carry into the corners and down the straightaways. 
Yeah, well, speaking of Sonoma, obviously my uh, my biggest coach coming into the weekend and throughout pretty much that whole last month before the race was Will Rogers, who's who has won at Sonoma before, and he's raced at uh, Utah as well. And basically, I did a pretty much like a whole few days of uh, of Miata racing with uh, with Will Rogers, and he just he walked me through all the steps on how to win a race like this, how to take care of your tires, how to just sharpen up my road racing skills. So I can't thank Will Rogers enough for sticking behind me and going over data and taking me on the track and, and just putting a bunch of effort and time into making sure that I perform well um, when I did go to Utah. And uh, it was definitely – Will is kind of like Yoda. I mean, he's, he's a really smart young man, and he was <laughs> able to teach me a lot of uh, cool things. And he is obviously – he's a really mature guy, and he taught me how to how to win that race uh, in, the, in a mature way. And by that, I mean, you had to, to win a race like that, you have to win it the right way. Um, you have to, you can't spin the tires. You can't keep, you know, pissing off the tires every chance you get and just, you know, barreling the thing in there and um, just come off the corner getting wide open right away. The tires and the car and going over curbs, you know, at full speed all the time, the, tire, the car is not going to take it, right? The tires aren't going to take it, but especially the car. Um, so you have to win the race by being smart. And a big part of road racing is just being the smartest guy there. And that's why um, a lot of the time on road racing, you don't see the guy that starts on pole win the race. You know what I mean, uh, you look at Kyle Larson the last three years, he, he wasn't able to win the last three races that he starts on pole with. Um, and then obviously we saw Blaine Perkins. He qualified on pole by, you know, a full second. But it's hard to maintain that pace throughout the whole entire race. So, um, like you said, yeah, I mean, definitely Will Rogers helped me out a ton throughout the whole week. You know, and, and actually look, um, looking at the team this year, Bill McAnally Racing, I can't remember the last time that he had actually four rookies without no veterans, you know, you know, in, in the, you know, on the team. Because I, I, I know going through the years past, you know, when I've talked, when we've had the different drivers on, you know, we always ask him, you know, what's, who's one driver, you know, you know, that you always, you know, kind of glean on, you know, and it's always one of the veteran drivers, or a lot of them say it's, um, it's it's Eric Holmes, but I know Eric. Eric, I'm not sh- too sure how uh, how much he's he's helping Bill out this year because I know he's doing a lot of stuff with uh, Haley Deegan. Yeah, um, obviously, you know Haley uh, is Eric is Haley's spotter um, for all of the races that she goes to. So like yeah, like you said, we'll, uh, Eric Holmes is actually my spotter um, when Haley's not racing. So um, like you said, I mean Eric's a huge asset to the team and. Whenever we're able to uh, go to a racetrack that I'm not that I haven't been to, um, or even when I'm in a race and I'm in a situation that I haven't been in before, Eric's always there, you know, up in the bird's nest, just keeping me cool and and making sure that I understand, you know, what I got to do to get the job done. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something, Jesse. It's it, it's it's been a joy watching you race. You know, you know all your all the old stuff you do out here, you know, and then getting chats. You know, you know, you know that you know that you finally you're getting your start. You know, in, in uh, NASCAR, you know, in the Arco and Arc series. And I just want to say uh, congratulations on the win again. And then uh, also uh, good luck the rest of the season. And I'm sure before the end of the year, we'll see you on another track. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Thank you. Oh. Okay, Jesse. Uh, really uh, impressed with your, your take on on uh, learning from other people and taking that knowledge and, and translating it to the track in such a quick manner. Uh, it does Do studies kind of come quick for you when it comes to, like, your homework and stuff like that? Is it, is it just uh, – are, are you one of those people who learn quickly? 
I, I would like to think so, um, obviously, because I go and I get into so many different race cars throughout my, you know, my whole career, whether it be open wheel, road course, um, opal tracks, sprint cars, midgets, um, sprint cars, whatever it is, right? I have to adapt pretty quickly. Um, so whether it be homework or, or you know, sports or getting a better work work ethic or just listening to people, I think uh, I think I've been able to um, catch on to those things pretty quickly and and mature as fast as I can because I've grown up in such an an adult environment. So um, I'd like to think so, but uh, it's all part of it. Okay, it, it certainly is. And uh, Will Rogers is a great guy for you to work with in uh, developing your skills on those road courses. And you you certainly proved that he's a great guy to work with by going out there and winning. Uh, tell us a little something about Jesse Love that maybe uh, most fans don't know about you as, as they're kind of getting to know who Jesse Love is. All right. So, I mean, a little bit about myself. Um, I'm from California. I'm from the Bay Area. Um, I like to, you know, surf a lot. I like the ocean. I like doing stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm all about having a good time during the week and, you know, obviously staying serious um, and obviously putting on a really serious face for the weekend when I go to the racetrack. But um, I just kind of like to have a good time and, and do whatever I can to uh, keep myself happy throughout the week because, um how I look at it and how a lot of people look at it is if you're happy during the week, you're going to show up to the racetrack with a good attitude and you're going to perform well. Um, cause you know, as many people would know, you're going to perform at your best when you're the happiest. So, um, that's just a little bit about myself. Kind of what you see is kind of what you get with me. Um, pretty straightforward guy, I like to think, but, uh, other than that, that's about it. Okay. Well, that's perfect. Um, now, as you are going into this season, uh, are there a lot of these tracks you probably haven't raced at before? Is that correct? Sorta. Of. I mean, I go. I went to some tracks like New Smyrna at the beginning of the year that I've never been to, um, where we won the world fi- or the world finals uh, race mm-hmm. on day two, and then obviously going to Phoenix. I've never been to a track even remotely like Phoenix. Um, and then we'll be going to Irwindale later in the or not Irwindale, um, Gateway later in the year, Iowa, um, any place like that that's on the schedule, um, Evergreen, Colorado, Meridian, places like that I've never been to before. So it's definitely cool to um, explore and go to new racetracks and learn. Okay. And and how do you prepare? Are you an iRacer, Jesse? Uh, sort of. Not really. I do sometimes, but uh, I kind of focus some of my energy in other ways every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds good. All right. Well, uh, Sal, did you have any other questions? We've got about a minute left if you've got one more question for Jesse. Yeah. Um, actually, Jesse, uh, one thing, you know, that, the, uh, that a lot of listeners have to realize about Jesse Love, you know, it's not only his age, but how much you've matured in the last, you know, few years, you know, coming up, you know, to the junior late model program, which I know that was a huge um, stepping stone. Uh, kind of go over, you know, how that how that program worked and how it helped you to get to where you are with NASCAR today. Yeah, I mean, first off, I think Kenny Shepard kind of, you know, broke a lot of ground when he did that, and he was able to give guys like me, Joey East, Seth Wise, Diesel West, Austin Herzog, you know, all the names like that, um, that were able to come up through those ranks and, 
and uh, do well. Haley Deegan, can't forget that name. Um, people like that that were able to come up through um, that junior late model rank. And Kenny Shepard did a phenomenal job um, getting us prepared for when we do go to ARCA, when we do go to K&N, or not K&N, sorry, ARCA or trucks or Xfinity, and then, you know, working your way up the ladder, it's really important to have that uh, foundation underneath you. And it was able to teach me stuff about racecraft with late models, set up anywhere from the car to the personal relations to the TV time. It had all of the things that you're going to need when you move up. Not all of the things, but it had a good majority of the things that you're going to need when you do move up to that next level, all in one series at a level that, you know, wasn't overly competitive to where you're not going to be able to progress and have good confidence. Um, but overall, I think, you know, it was so fundamental and it was, it's definitely, in my opinion, the best stock car series to cut your teeth out, um, especially in California. Yeah. There's like, just like you said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of drivers that have, that have come up to it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of neat that he did that because, you know, I, I know there's a lot of young drivers that were racing late models. And, I mean, when you're going up against, you know, guys that have been racing late models for 10, 15, 20 years, you know, then, you know, you bring someone young like yourself in, you know, it, it's kind of hard, you know, to actually learn, you know, as compared to the way, you know, Kenny set up, you know, to where he had everybody, you know, kind of like the same age group, the same talent level, you know, and he was able to work with you guys, you know, to help you guys to, uh, you know, to advance. Okay. Uh, Jesse, we're so glad you were able to be on the show with us tonight. And uh, we certainly hope that you do come back and visit with us again somewhere down the road. Uh, This segment, by the way, is uh, usually reserved for a race winner from the weekend. And uh, uh, we hope uh, that we get a chance to talk to you in this segment again somewhere somewhere during the season. Okay. Before you go, let's, let's make sure fans know how they can follow you. Yeah, uh, go to jessieloveracing.com, and you can see um, you can go to the fan zone and see all my information on all my social media platforms. My Instagram tag is just Jesse Love Junior. Uh, if you go to Facebook, you can go to Jesse Love Racing. Same with Twitter, and then my personal Twitter is Jesse Love Junior with a one at the end of it. So that's how you guys can find me, and stay tuned to see all the cool things that we're going to be doing over the next few months. Okay, it's going to be fun to watch. I know that. So, well, thanks a lot, Jesse, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you uh, another time. So uh, good luck this weekend uh, at your next race, okay? All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. Good night. Yeah. Bye. All right. That was Jesse Love with Bill McAnally Racing. He drives the number 19 and uh, really impressive for a 15-year-old, Sal. Oh yeah, he is, and um, and and actually, you got to see him at the track too, Sharon. He's what what you what you heard on the radio right now, in the interviews. It's, it's the same Jesse that you get at the track. Of course, he's a little bit more you know more focused, you know, on, on the task at hand. But I mean, he mm-hmm. you know he's real easy going. You know, talks to everybody. You know what? And uh, and I guess you can kind of say he has. A, I, I like. To, I'm gonna ask him next time we're talking. His little trademark is he wears a straw hat. You know when it's oh, when it's hot okay. outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. white yeah. straw hat. So, um, yeah, he's but uh, re- really nice guy, really nice family, you know, and uh, 
uh, like I said, uh, really family oriented, you know, his parents and, you know, stuff with the race and stuff like that. And then just the health that he's had coming up. It's, it's just amazing. Okay. Well, our next guest is the NASCAR Xfinity Series driver, Joe Graff Jr. with SS Greenlight Racing. And Joe's got a lot to talk with us about. Uh, we'll talk with him about his season, but he has a new sponsor this year. And uh, he's also going to kind of talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the Xfinity Series, Jay, uh, Sal, is going to be racing on the road course at Indianapolis. So we're going to talk to Joe about that as well and how he's preparing for that because this is the first time that the Xfinity Series is doing this. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. This I'll tell you this weekend with them with them over there at uh, at um uh at at, at Indianapolis with the uh with the road course. Okay. And uh one thing that I wanted fans to be aware of as well is that uh, we've agreed that Joe Graff Jr. is going to come on the first, the last Monday of every month. Uh, Joe Graff Jr. is going to be our guest at the 9 p.m. Uh, time slot. So uh, if you're a Joe Graff Jr. fan, you can count on him every fourth or last, I should just say last Monday of every month uh, throughout the remainder of this season. He's confirmed. And uh, we're looking forward to having him on the show on that regular basis. Yeah, that yeah, that that should be really exciting, sure. You know, to have another, uh, like you said, you know, have somebody, you know, the, you know, an actual racer, you know, yeah. per se, you know, you know, to come on and um, you know, you know, answer questions and you know, give us some some of the four one one on what's going on. Exactly. Well, Joe Graff Jr. Uh, has been on our show before, so uh, it's always a lot of fun when we welcome back uh, somebody who's been on the show before. So, uh, Joe, welcome back, and uh, we're looking forward to talking with you. Thank you for having me, Sharon. Happy to be on. Okay. Well, we were just telling everybody that uh, we've kind of made an agreement that you're going to be on the show with us the last Monday of every month. So, uh, all those uh, Joe Graff Jr. fans uh, can be sure to tune in and know that you're going to be here during that 9 o'clock segment. Of course. Super excited about it. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well, I'm pretty excited about it, too. Now, Joe, you have a new sponsor this year, and uh, it's one that I've not heard of before, but I think that's the whole idea. You're kind of making that name known uh, throughout the uh, NASCAR world. Tell us a little bit about your new sponsor. Um, well, I've, I've actually used their uh, supplements for a while working out, um, but they just launched a uh, – so bucked up supplements on the supplement side. I've, I've used them for a while. And uh, on the energy drink side, they just launched an energy drink last November. Um, and it was a really – uh, unique opportunity. I like the new uh, brand of energy drink they were coming out with. It's not just sugar. It helps you focus and it, um, it, it's a really effective energy drink. So it was something I could really get behind and I thought that the uh, NASCAR platform would be great for them. Um, so uh, my marketing team um, reached out to them and we were able to put together a multi-year deal. 
I think that's awesome. And and they've been on your car for your last three races and will be on the car, I think, for the rest of the season, correct? Um, Most of the races, yes. Okay. So Bucked Up Energy is uh, uh, a pretty cool sponsor, and uh, uh, I like the the design on your car. I'm looking at your uh, car design here. Uh, So you heard about them through your workout uh, regimen, and so you started using them uh, and encouraged everybody else to kind of – Encourage them to come into NASCAR, and you are introducing them to a whole new group of people now, right? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I've I've been a long time user of their products, but uh, one of our um, marketing guys on my team, actually uh, Nathan Blasdale, noticed uh, that they were coming out with an energy drink um, that they just launched launched last November, and really felt that uh, it would be a great opportunity. So, uh, huge thanks for him for helping to put it together um and the whole team over at joe graph racing for bringing it home um you can't think fucked up enough for the opportunity um i really think it'll be uh a really good opportunity for both of us um my professors at nyu also helped me put together the pitch book so really uh happy with that can't thank them enough and uh just Really good to start bringing in um, some of these new sponsors. Absolutely, absolutely. Sponsors are so important to the sport. So, uh, Joe, I'm going to also have you talk with our co-host tonight, Sal Segala, Jr., and I know he's got some things he wants to talk about as well. Awesome. Sal? Oh, yeah, here okay. I am, Sharon. Yeah, Joe, first of oh, all, okay. uh, welcome to the show. And, you know, I know like Sharon said, she's looking forward to it. You know, I'm, I'm also looking forward, you know, to, you know, hear, you know, you know, to get in some insight, you know, when, you know, uh, when you do come on, you know, once a month. And uh, I, I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's really going to help the show and boost us up just like this, just like this new energy drink. You know, I, I was I was going through it today, you know, because um, – you know, I, I kind of do my own little workout regime, but with the with this bucked up energy, you know, it, it looks like it's something that you could probably use, you know, like as a pre workout drink or something. Is that what it's for? Uh, yeah, it's, you you use it as that. They also have a lot of supplements that you can use pre and post workout, and uh, the energy drink is just really good to help you focus. I actually drink some before I race as well. Um, it helps you focus really. Um, wakes you up and just uh kind of gives you that edge so so with the um uh with the sponsor you know we always talk about sponsorship me and sharing every week you know on you know what it's like to get sponsorship how hard is it to actually get us you know to get a sponsor like this on board you know especially at the level you know with the xfinity series i, I mean you know you know, like we know, we talk about Arkham Menards West and East. You know, we know that sponsorship is a little bit more affordable. But now you're talking about Xfinity Series. You know, and, and it's um, you know, uh, sponsorship doesn't come cheap these days. Uh, no, so it's definitely difficult and it's definitely a process. Um, but I feel um, I've put together a really good team around me that we're able to really give our sponsors a really good ROI. Um, so we've, we've definitely come a long way with that and learned a lot. And uh, my 
background at NYU and my connections over there with some of my professors on the sports side has been tremendous in just understanding what our sponsors or, or any sponsors needs and what they're looking for out of uh, the NASCAR product. Hmm. That's the, you know, that, that's, that's interesting. Cause I know a lot of the, um, uh, up and coming drivers, you know, that's what the, you know, they, you know, that's, you know, talked about is the, um, you know, it's the sponsorship and stuff like that. Yeah, it's 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 definitely tough to uh, get down a, a deal. But the biggest thing I think is just understanding the companies that you're reaching out to and trying to pitch for sponsorship and understanding their needs and their goals so that uh, you can best help them. Hmm. So. Looking, you know, as as as, um, as far as your racing, you know, and uh, you know, um, you know, some of your races coming up, um, how how do you find the time, you know, to you know, you know, between your studies and you know, and, and to actually, you know, take the time out, you know, to study for your races and stuff like that. Um, so it it's definitely been tough with the uh, racing schedule we have now, racing every week, sometimes twice a week. Um, so, and having no practice, the race prep beforehand really has been huge. Um, so I, I work out, um, about four or five days a week with Curtis Walls, my trainer, and, uh, spend a good, a good amount of time in the simulator. And I watch a lot of film and I listen to a lot of, uh, in-car audio, um, from previous races at that track. And it, it just helps a lot seeing the in-car cameras from past years and past drivers and understanding um, how these races play out before you go. You know, it's, it's, it, I still don't know how, how you guys can, you know, find the time, you know, to handle, you know, to take care of both, both ends of the spectrum when it comes to that. It's, it's just amazing, you know, the, you know, the time and, and energy it takes, you know, for the bulk. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Okay, Joe, let's go ahead and talk about your racing now because uh, you Pocono is a track that you've had some success with in the Arkham Menard, ah, I got tongue-tied there, the Arkham Menard series. Uh, but I know it wasn't that great of a weekend for you this weekend, but you have had success there at, uh, at uh, Pocono, and that's your home track, right? Yeah, it's, it's always great going home to Pocono because it's, it's, it's my home track, as you guys know, and uh, it's, it's always great to see, just see family going there. Um, this week was definitely a tough week for us. Um, got caught up in somebody else's mess on, uh, I don't know what lap it was, but the second caution in turn one, lap one. Um, so definitely a heartbreaker there um i felt like pocono was definitely going to be a good track for us um but just kind of got to move on uh indy's going to be my first road course i've I've never run a road course before so i'm I'm looking forward to uh learning a lot and getting a lot of experience there well how are you preparing for that because uh like you mentioned that's the first time that the uh, xfinity series is racing on the road course at Indianapolis. So it's going to be new for everybody. Yeah, it's it's really difficult to uh, prepare for a race that they've never done. Like, it's uh, that configuration of the track I haven't been able to find on the simulator, so I can't put any simulator time into it. 
And the only in-car footage I have of an Xfinity car there is a single lap that Matthew Benedetto made in an Xfinity car earlier this year during a NASCAR test that they circulated to the drivers. So I have about a minute and 30 seconds worth of uh, footage to try to prepare for the race this weekend. The good part is um, we're going to have two rounds of practice this week, so I'll really be able to um, learn – the track before the race starts, or at least get some laps and experience. Exactly. And uh, uh, you're right, there's like nobody you can really go to and get advice about racing at that track either because nobody's raced the road course there before. Now IndyCar is going to, I think. The the one good part is uh, my teammate in the 07, Jade, uh, he hasn't run an Xfinity car there before, but he ran another type of car in this configuration so it'll be good to talk to him about it and get some pointers from him oh that's awesome that's awesome uh and then uh, what about the rest of this season i know we only have the schedule through um august the second uh are there any tracks you kind of have circled uh on the schedule that uh, you're looking forward to um it's it's going to be really exciting to go back to Bristol when we do. Um, I definitely have that one circled. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like Darlington a lot a lot when we were there, so I'm really looking forward to going back there. Um, and just I, like I, I don't know if I have any of them specifically circled. Um, unfortunately, Iowa, one of my favorite favorite tracks. We don't get to go there this year. They the that's off of the schedule, I believe. But um, it'll just be interesting to see when the rest of the schedule comes out where we'll uh, be able to go. Um, these next few races, I've, I've never been to any of the tracks, so I, I really look forward to uh, learning everything I can there um, and, and getting that experience. But I, I haven't been there to uh, have it circled or anything. Okay. Well, those are all good tracks. I know Bristol – uh, is is a, a great short track, as is Darlington. Uh, now, in the Arkham Menard Series, you had 39 races there. You had one win, seven top fives, 21 top ten finishes, all with Chad Bryant Racing. Uh, talk a little bit about the differences between racing an ARCA car and racing an Xfinity car. Um, so I, I was actually pretty surprised to see how different they were. Um, the... The ARCA cars have a lot more downforce, and they're just, they feel like they're much more in the track, so you can drive them a lot harder. The Xfinity cars, um, it's a lot more understanding the car and finesse, it feels like. Um, like, two, both cars are definitely difficult to drive, but just very different um, in how they're driven and what you need to do to be fast in each of them. Okay. Uh, and, and now that you're with the Xfinity Series and you've got 15 starts, uh, you've got uh, three top – I'm sorry, you've got uh, 14 starts, uh, three top 15 finishes, seven top 20 finishes, uh, and actually uh, there's – well, it's hard to say what's going to happen this season. So uh, – how are you feeling about uh, where you are right now with uh, SS Greenlight Racing and working with them? Because it's, it's a little so, bit different. 
Yeah, everybody, everybody over at SS Greenlight's been awesome. Um, they, they've brought good cars this year, and uh, I feel like I've been learning a lot coming along as a driver. Um, the hardest thing for me has just been uh, we've had some bad luck just being in the wrong place at the wrong time a um, couple times this year. Like, we got into, uh, I think, three or four wrecks now that we didn't call as we were just in the wrong place right. at the wrong time, and it's definitely uh, it's definitely hurt us. But, I mean, overall, we've uh, had, had some good races. We had two really good races at Homestead. We had a gr- really good run at Bristol. Um, so, like, overall – we were putting together a really good run at Darlington as well. Fontana earlier this year was really fast, just ended up getting caught up in something. Um, so, like, we, we've had speed, um, and we've put together some really good races. Just, uh, unfortunately, there's been um, some things we couldn't avoid. So, but, like, I, I couldn't be happier with everybody over at uh, SS Greenlight and the cars they're bringing and the effort they're putting together. I mean, I, I can't thank. Bobby Dodder, Patrick Donahue, um, and everybody in the shop, Jake, Wes, Cubby, uh, Josh. I mean, they're all they're all great. Well, and I know sometimes your finishes don't necessarily reflect how well you ran during the race either because I know I've seen you up there, uh, you know, running pretty well up in the top uh, 15 and, and everything. And it, it doesn't always uh, – the way you race throughout the race doesn't always end up with necessarily how you finish with the race either. Yeah. I mean, we were really, really good in the first race at Homestead. Uh, we ended up in the top 10 in stage one, got some stage points. Uh, unfortunately to start that last stage, um, we, we had a loose wheel. So we came down pit road still under caution, but instead of restarting 15th, we restarted 33rd and the caution never came back out. So we raced back up to 16th. Mm. But I, I feel mm-hmm. like we would have had a real opportunity to run eighth uh, to eleventh right in there um, if we didn't have that issue. And and I'm thinking as the season goes on, you'll probably get better and better. Uh, Sal, do you have any other questions uh, that you have for Joe? Yeah, you know, one of the questions that I have for Joe was, um, uh, you know, Joe, with the with the with the pandemic that hit, you know, NASCAR changed the schedule. You know, they started, you know you know, you know, running, it seems like they're running more races, you know, back to back, you know, a lot more closer. How hard is it to prepare, you know, going from, you know, one track to another track and then, and then without no practice and no qualifying. Yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. I mean, taking out the practice and the qualifying, it just, uh, it adds that much more to the preparation you need to do. Um, like the prep work is, uh, definitely been a lot it's crucial um to know what you need when you go there because the, the, the good thing is that they have they've had competition cautions so you have depending on the track the 10 to 20 laps to figure out what you need to make your car better and then you get that competition caution to come down pit road and work on it but like you need to like me me for instance i've never been to a lot of these tracks so i need to know when I go there, what I'm looking for and the feel that I'm looking for in the car so that I can figure it out, um, what I need, what changes we need to make in those early laps to then get better. You know, and, and, and it's almost like a craft shot when you get out there because what, what, what you have when you unload, that's basically, you know, what you're starting the race with. And, you know, like you said, you know, good thing, you know, the NASCAR does give you guys the competition cautions, you know, it gives you a chance to make adjustments. 
But, you know, I know a lot of the teams, you know, they go by some of the older notes. But then we've had a lot of rain outs. You know, a lot of, you know, races got postponed because of rain, which means now we've got a green track. And it just seems like it just really throws a lot of teams for, a, you know, a bigger loop. Yeah, it's it's definitely made it really really interesting this year. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, it's it's definitely added another uh, challenge for me as a driver and us as a team. But um, overall, I I think there's a silver lining there as well because it adds some element to the race that you're you're oftentimes you're not perfect. The car isn't perfect, and you're unable to make it perfect like you would if you could pit. 10 times in practice and work on it, but everybody's in that same situation, right? Like, the, like everybody has no practice. Every, like everybody is, is fighting the same stuff. So it really uh, just adds another level of intensity to it. I feel, you know, and, and actually it does because you start watching, you know, um, you know, some of the teams, you know, you know, you know, when they start talking about, you know, some of the adjustments they're making, you know, they're probably, taking big swings that is to, as to where normally, you know, they wouldn't have to take those big swings, but also from a driver's standpoint, from your standpoint, it probably helps you, you know, as far as, you know, your learning curve, you know, to try to learn the car a little bit uh, that much better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we just have so, so much fewer opportunities to work on it than we'd have uh, when we get two rounds of practice and qualifying. Um, but like between the two rounds of practice and qualifying, you could probably make, 20 adjustments um where now in the race you get if there's no cautions you get the competition caution in the two stage breaks and you get to pit once for fuel usually in the last stage so you get to work on it four times that's really it yeah which i guess like you know like you said you know there's not i mean you know you you know it's a it's a give and take but the but the thing is is at least you know this is you know going on you know for all the teams not just one it just isn't really difficult one team to the setback. And um, with that, Joe, I just want to, uh, um, once again, just thank you, you know, for coming, you know, on the show and being a part of it. And uh, good luck the rest of the season. And uh, with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Thank you for having me oh. on, guys. Really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate it as well, Joe. And, and I just want to remind fans, uh, it's the last Monday of every month that Joe Graff Jr. will be with us during the 9 o'clock half hour so uh, if you're looking ahead, Ju- July the 27th will be his next visit with us at 9 p.m. here on Fan for Racing Radio. And, Joe, before you go, uh, did you uh, want to make sure fans know how they can follow you? Yeah, so all of my social media is at Joe Graff Jr. Um, that's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, and uh, really looking forward to being back on July 27th. And, uh Thank you, thank you guys for talking with me. Okay. Well, good luck out at Indianapolis. I'm really kind of anxious to see how that works out uh, with the road course at, uh, at that uh, track. It's such a historic track. You get goosebumps just walking in there. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how, how the Xfinity cars uh, work out with the road course. No doubt. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care now. You as well. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right. That is Joe Graff, Jr. He's with uh, SS Greenlight Racing, driving the number 08 car with his new sponsor, Buck Up uh, Energy. 
So uh, definitely uh, uh, keep an eye out for that 08 car uh, at uh, the Xfinity Series races this season. Uh, now, Sal, we've got another couple of races to get in real quick. Uh, we'll start with the Truck Series race. Uh, that took place this weekend as well. Again, I'll give the rundown of the finishing order, and you can do the points. Uh, finishing first was Brandon Jones in the truck series. That was kind of fun to watch. Uh, Austin Hill finished in th- second. Uh, Sheldon Creed finished second. Uh, him and Brandon and Austin were all racing amazingly at the end of that race. Todd Gilliland finished fourth. Good finish for him. Ben Rhodes in fifth to round out the top uh, ten. Uh, there's Ross Chastain, Brett Moffat, Stuart Friesen, and Tyler Ankrum with, uh, how about it, Derek Krause from uh, Bill McAnally uh, finishing in that top ten. I'll tell you, Sharon, that finish was one for the ages. It was uh, It was. Yeah. That was a fun race. Uh, Sheldon Creed gave it all he had. I mean, he couldn't Actually, he couldn't. There was nothing more he could have done to try to win that race. I mean, he kind of felt bad for him. And then, then Austin Hill stuck in. Where Austin Hill was up there, but I mean, it looked like it was going to be Brandon Jones and Sheldon Cree. And then all of a sudden, Austin Hill snuck in there and grabbed that second spot. But um, I'll tell you that those uh, that uh, um, it was a fun one to watch. Motorsports, motorsports truck, and actually, you know, you kind of had to feel bad for uh, Christian Eckes because he had that race. He mm-hmm. had that race won in another Kyle Busch Motorsports truck, but then had that had that uh, that crash, you know, at the end end of the race, mm-hmm. and um, he had he had that win in the. There was nobody was going to catch him. I know it, it was amazing. It truly was. Uh, let's go ahead and do the points report now, Sal. Okay, let me uh, go ahead and do it, Sharon. I had to. Had a, something came up real quick. Okay. Okay, um, we had Austin Hill still leading the series point standings. He's 51 points ahead of Ben Rhodes, who's now second in the series point standings. Grant Infinger is third, Sheldon Creek fourth, and Todd Gilliland is fifth in the series point standings. Uh, then you have Christian Eckes. Uh He's the rookie, the highest uh, rookie in the series point standings, but right behind him is Zane Smith. In seventh, also a rookie. Then there's Tyler Ankrum in eighth, Brett Moffat in ninth, and Johnny Sauter rounds out the top ten. Uh, people knocking on the door of being in that top ten because this year it is the top ten drivers that go into the playoff. Uh, you've got Derek Krause, another rookie, in the eleventh place, uh, and uh, Stuart Friesen in twelfth. So those drivers are really uh, wanting to get up there into that top ten. And that's going to be a, uh, some fun racing to watch uh, throughout this season as well. Oh yeah, it definitely is, Sharon. I mean, we we got um, you know, we still got you know, it seems like we have a lot more racing and a, and, a, and less time to watch it. <laughs> the way they're the way they're <laughs> cramming everything together, you know, I two know, three races like we had the yeah we had the triple header on Sunday, you know, because of the rain out. But um, uh, I'll tell you, uh, all three series. The, I mean, you just can't. The action that's out there on the track, man. I mean, this is a good time to be a fan. Mm-hmm. 
I'll tell you another race that was a lot of fun to watch, and that was the Xfinity Series race, Sal. Uh, and we'll go. I'll go down through the top ten there as well if you want to get the points ready. Um, okay. Chase Elliott. I'm sorry, Chase Briscoe uh, came home as the number one guy uh, again in his number 98 uh, Ford for Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, second place was Ross Chastain, and those guys put on a really fun battle for the win as well. Uh, we've got some new names, uh, some interesting names up here in the top ten, uh, including Jeremy Clements with a uh, third-place finish, Maya Snyder in fourth, Michael Lynette rounds out the top five. The next five are Justin Algauer in sixth, Brett Moffat seventh, Timmy Hill with an eighth-place finish, Riley Erbst in ninth place. He's the top rookie of the race. And right behind him, another rookie with a top-ten finish, Jesse Little. So really good to see these other names up there. Uh, That race, though, to get started with, they were just all over it. Yeah, you know, and and real quick on, on that note, too, Myatt Snyder, you mentioned finishing fourth. I think him mm-hmm. and uh, Noah Gregson have a little uh, kind of like a little rivalry going because uh, I know the last race out, Noah kind of, you know, kind of gave Mott a little uh, shove. And, and then um, Saturday, you know, it looked like, uh, or Sunday, it looked like um, Mike kind of gave uh, Noah something a little bit back. And um, But I'll tell you, these, these guys are, they're all fighting for the, uh, you know, fighting for those, uh, for those uh, 12 spots, you know, to get into the uh, into the chase. Yes, and speaking of that, let's go over the points report. Okay, we have a new points leader, which is Chase Briscoe. Um, sitting in second is Noah Gregson, Ross Chastain in third, Austin Cedric fourth, and, and the rookie Harrison Burton is in the top five. And then from there, then we go down to six, which is Justin Haley, who has a win this season. Justin Algeyer, Brandon Jones, who also has a win, Michael Annette, and Ryan Sieg uh, run up the top ten. And Brian was up there for a while, and he's, he's kind of moved down. He's had some bad luck this, the last few races. And then um, yep. 11th is Riley, Riley Herbst, and uh, 12th is Myatt Snyder. And on the bubble, right, actually, Myatt's on the bubble, and right below him is uh, Daniel Hemrick, and uh, who's only actually four points, four points back. For Myatt and Brandon Brown is also four points back, so we got a tie for for a 13th spot, and it's going to be exciting. You know, these next, especially with the um, with that road course coming up, and you know, see you know how these drivers handle the road course. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, I don't think uh, this is the last time we'll see changes up at the top. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun watching these guys race uh, this season. And uh, I know we've got a lot more to look forward to. I can't wait. I, I really mean it when I say I can't wait to see the Xfinity Series racing on that road course at Indianapolis this weekend. It's going to be an exciting race. And uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, Joe gave us a, a really good feel for what these guys are are uh, dealing with going into that race this weekend. Uh, uh, thank goodness they do have a couple of practices. Oh yeah, it, it's definitely going to be a good race, and uh, you know, and if, and if you had to pick somebody, real quick, who would you pick as your winner on on a new road course that no one's been on? 
Oh, my gosh. I just don't even know where to go. I I think Chase Briscoe is going to be another good choice because um, I think he's done well on the road courses before. Austin Sindrick would be another one because he does really well on road courses. So those would be the top two from my point of view. I kind of think Bill Gregson, he's got three road course wins. He's got two two at That's Utah true. Motorsports Park, and then he has the one at Sonoma. Uh, that actually was last year's race at Sonoma. He he he, he picked up the road course win there in the in the Arkham and Art Series West. So I, I would I would look to Noah to have a really good run at a at a road course. And my second pick, I would just have to just toss somebody through there. And man, I don't I don't even know who to. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, it was just, I guess. All part of what's going to make it fun to watch. Yeah, Ross I'd go Chastain's Ross Chastain. a good pick. Okay. He's, uh, well, our he's next guest with, um, is here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sal. And so he's a race winner from this weekend at Utah Motorsports Park, uh, winning the second twin race at that uh, uh, road course. And uh, he's been on before as well, so it's a big welcome back to Blaine Perkins and a big congratulations on the victory. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be back, and um, it's always fun getting on here and talking to the both of you. Well, we always look forward to it, uh, Blaine, as well. Uh, Talk a little bit about uh, racing at Utah Motorsports Park. Uh, Have you raced at that track before? Yeah, so I raced um, back when it was the NASCAR Canaan Pro Series West um, at Utah Motorsports mm-hmm. Campus on the full track, but I never ran the smaller track that we ran this past weekend. So it was a little bit different, oh, I see. Um, but I was able to get some experience um, a couple weeks ago going out there and practicing with my teammates. So I definitely think that helped for us um, coming into the weekend. Oh, okay. Well, you had, uh, I know the first race uh, didn't go quite as planned, but talk about your thoughts when you realized uh, that you had a good chance of uh, winning this race uh, once you got past uh, Jesse Love. Yeah, um, I think all weekend we knew we were going to be really fast. Um, Ever since we unloaded, we made a couple changes to the car, and the car really came to life, so um, I think it was all about just being smooth and making sure I limited mistakes. Um, I knew everybody on our number nine, um, Sunrise Ford, Four Star Fruit, Ford Fusion, um, had given me a great opportunity to go up there and lead some laps and um, get us a, our very first win for the year and um, mm-hmm. first pole. So hopefully we can just uh, ride that momentum into Irwindale this weekend. Yeah, you were on the pole for both of those races, right? Yeah, so that that's pretty cool as well. Um, and, uh, you know, there's always this rivalry between Sunrise Ford and Bill McAnally Racing over who's going to win the champ- championship. Uh, Trevor Huddleston's been in the series uh, for a couple of years now. And uh, you, are you racing full-time this year, Blaine? Can you go after that championship? Yep, that's definitely the goal for the year. Um, I'm racing full-time for um, Bob Bernkotti, and um, I think for sure it's going to be um, Trevor and I are going to fight for that championship and try to get it back from Bill McAnally's team. I know they've been really stalled the past couple of years, but I think we've got a great shot to do it. 
Okay. Well, you know, Sal is here, and I'm sure he's biting at the bit to uh, talk with you, so I'm going to pass the baton over. Hey, Blaine. Yeah, I'm here. Blaine, first of all, congratulations. We had actually two firsts for you this weekend, and it was um, your first poll, which actually you got two polls, and it was also your first win in the in the Arkham Menards West Series. Yeah, thank you, Sal. It was a pretty pretty awesome weekend, um, something I definitely won't be uh, forgetting anytime soon. So just really grateful for the opportunity to be running with these guys this year and um, just looking forward to this weekend getting back to the racetrack. You know, and, and actually, when you look at the at the at the series this year, you know, with the pandemic, you know, you guys have, you know, the schedules kind of got, you know, kind of switched around a little bit. You know what? Um, you know, it's not what you guys are used to, but um, you know, I was. It's funny because I was looking through through the drivers that are in the series, and you and Todd Sousa, I think, are the are the two veterans with you know with the most starts. You know, out of all the younger drivers, you know, when you start looking at the, um, you know, at the. Uh, at the series itself. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of rookies this year, a lot of good talent this year. Um, so to kind of be looked at as a veteran at only 20, I guess, is um, probably a good thing for me. Um, I've got a lot of experience in the series. So um, just trying to use it to the best of my knowledge and um, put us up front. You know, one thing I never – well, I really haven't had a chance to sit down and chat with you, but since we got you on the radio show – what was it that made you decided to, uh, you know, to opt out and end up with, uh, with um, uh, Sunrise Ford? Yeah, so last year after um, we won the three championships and we were able to go back to Charlotte for um, the big banquet, um, we started talking with a bunch of teams. I think we realized we wanted to get back into the ARCA series. We weren't sure whether that be the West, the East, or the main series. And... Um, we saw the opportunity to uh, join Sunrise Ford for the year, and um, I was given the opportunity to run for Bob Brancati and all the guys on the 19th, and I just felt like it fit really well for us, our schedule, and um, like I told Bob from the beginning of the year, the, my, my big goal at the end of the year is to be holding, giving him a championship trophy, so um, that's what we're fighting for every race. You know what? And actually, fighting is about the word for it because you got a lot of these young guns, these these hot shot, hot shoe kids. You know that are coming up. You know, like you know, we just had Jesse Love on. You know, he's one of them. But you know, when you start looking up and down the um, the list, you know, got Gio Selzy, you know, who picked up his first win at Orndale on, on on one of your old teams, which was um, High Point Racing, and he got it on his first start. You know, too, and uh, you know, their the, the talent level is and uh, you know, it's it's pretty high up there this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, there's a lot of rookies this year, but they're well proven. I'm Jesse. I've raced with him for a couple of years now, and um, he's obviously fast. He's in a great car, and I know he's going to be tough to beat. Um, Gio, I've just kind of gotten to know him. Um, I know he's been racing dirt for a long time, but making the transfer over to Oval, and I think he's picking it up pretty quickly. Um, and everybody else in the series, I mean, I think there's a handful of cars and drivers that can win every weekend, so always makes it good for um, competition and uh, for the fans to watch at home. Awesome. Now with that, I'm going to turn it over to Sharon. Okay. Uh, Blaine, uh, looking ahead at uh, the schedule, 
for the Arkham Menard series uh, in the West there. Uh, are, do you guys know what uh, races you're racing uh, for how far out? So as of right now, the only confirmed date for our series is this coming weekend at Irwindale. Okay, so beyond that, we're not real sure then. Yeah, as far as I know, I know they're working with all the tracks and the counties to so we get to the racetrack as safely and as quickly as possible. So, um, thankful well, you've our got to be done a really good job. Yes, they they have. They they really they're really working hard to try to help. Uh, help keep this schedule on track if at all possible. Now, Irwindale is a track you've got to be excited about going back to, and you're going to be racing there on July the 4th in the Enyos 125 presented by Napa Auto Parts. Uh, you've had a lot of success at that track. Is that going to translate uh, to this weekend? Yeah, I in, sure in, hope in the so. Darker uh, I hope so. Um, I think we're going to have a really fast car. We tested there earlier this year and had a really successful test. Um, I think between Trevor and I, um, Trevor obviously won the race there last year, so I know they have a really good setup. And um, we both have a lot of laps. We're both really comfortable at Irwindale, and I think we'll be able to really bounce the uh, ideas off each other. And um, I think by the end of it, I think we're going to be definitely the ones to compete with for the win. Yeah, I've, I kind of get that feeling too, Blaine, because of the experience that both of you have at Irwindale Speedway. Uh, I think that's going to kind of uh, uh, be an advantage over the other competitors um, and a good opportunity to make up some ground in the point standings. Um, it, it's kind of hard to talk about the rest of the season, though, because we don't really know where the next race is going to be beyond that. Of the tracks that are on the schedule, I would imagine Kern County is the, is another track that you are looking forward to. Yep, absolutely. Um, hometown race, so I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back there soon. Um, I think that was one of the later race dates for our original schedule, but we'll see how everything plays out. And um, definitely one I'll be looking for, another track I ran for years, and same with Trevor. So I think we'll both have great experience going into there and be another one to where we can run up front mm-hmm. and compete for a win. Okay, talk about talk about your team. Who's uh, who's who's your crew chief this year, uh, and spotter, and the people that you're working with at Sunrise Ford? Yep. So I'm driving for Sunrise Ford Racing, driving the number nine for Bob Bernkati. Uh, my crew chief is Jeff Schrader. Um, getting back to racing with Jeff, I raced quite a few years with him in late models at High Point Racing, and um, Spotter for the weekend was uh, David Cooley, and he should be spotting for me all year as um, as long as he can. And um, obviously, all the crew guys back at the shop they gave me a really good race car this past week. I mean, it shows how much they worked throughout the pandemic um, nonstop to make sure we had fast cars when we got back to the race shop. So can't give those guys enough. I mean, it makes all of us look good when we get, go to the race shop, uh, race track. We're already fast, so. Just looking forward to uh, getting back to the race. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You'll be back there this weekend at Irwindale. Sal, any other questions uh, that you have for Blaine? Yeah, you know, um, that's what that – actually, that was one of the Scherner touched on was the, uh, you know, was the race at Irwindale this weekend. So so how do you prepare coming from, from, uh, from a road course, you know, back – 
I, I mean, it's going to be easy kind of for Erndo. You already know it. But, you know, with no fans, you know, and it's going to be, uh, you know, kind of like homecoming. But like you said, you know, you and Trevor back to teammates again, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when you guys, if you do happen to come one and two down to the, down to the, down to the checker flag, you know, how is, how is that going to be handled? Yeah. I mean, um, I think we're both going to be fighting for the win and, um, obviously we're teammates, so we're going to make sure we do everything very, um, good as a team. Want we come home one, one, two for Sunrise Ford. I know it's their home race. Um, but I know each of us want to win this bad. So whether we're banging doors coming to the line or not, I guess we'll find out, and um, it'll be a fun time this weekend. Um, also, uh, I, I also have to say uh, a huge congratulations. Um, your dad texted me and said that you got accepted into Pepperdine University this coming fall. Yes, I did. Thank you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So, so how is that gonna is that gonna affect your any of your the racing that you have planned for the, you know, for the for the future coming up? Or are you just gonna kind of sit back and and do your studies and you know and 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 do that you know kind of take care of that more than the uh, you know than you know what you have going on at the track? Yeah, I mean, over the past few years, um, I've been going to my local junior college here in Bakersfield, and um, I've been able to keep up on top of both of them. Um, and it's been hard, but um, a lot of hard work pays off. So um, I'm looking forward to getting to Pepperdine. I know that they're looking forward to working with me and my schedule. Um, and I've already told them that I'm a race car driver, and um, they've been more than happy to um, work with me through the admissions process and now getting to the school here coming up the next month. So um, definitely not looking to go away from racing or anything just gotta work twice as hard to stay in school and uh, race on the racetrack so then i'm taking it that 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 that, that you're not gonna be working with your dad no more at the at the at the Lino farms anymore yeah so i never worked with my dad i um worked just in the grape industry itself this past year just kind of learning some things um while i had some free time over the summer um but as since Last summer was the last time I was doing that. Hmm. Yeah, because I because I remember when I talked to you, you had a job, and uh, that's pretty cool. But you know, I mean, that's awesome. You know that you're going to be going to college. You know, and pursuing you know, uh, you know, a degree. What 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 are you uh, studying for? Um, I'm looking into their international business program, but as of right now, I am a part of their. Um, I've, I was accepted to their business administration program. Oh, cool. You know, Blaine, and with that, I just want to say congratulations again on your win. I know it's big. I know it's, I know it's huge. I'm sure your dad shed a few tears. Um, I wish I could have been there. But, um, unfortunately, you know, things come up on our end. And, um, you know, so I wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. I know I know we'll see you at another race before the season. Actually, I'm hoping that they let us into Phoenix and that you guys do have your championship race at Phoenix because I think that's going to be that, – that will be the icing on the cake right there. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Okay. Uh, yeah, Blaine, I, I really think uh, that this uh, race coming up at uh, Irwindale is going to be a huge opportunity for you, you and Trevor, uh, with uh, Sunrise Ford. It's a good track for both of you, and and uh, I know you guys have had a lot, whole lot of success there. Um, 
tell us something about Blaine that most people don't know about you. What do you like to do when you're not racing, Blaine? Man, um, when I'm not racing, I'm usually doing schoolwork. I've been pretty busy the past couple of years. But other than that, I, mean, I like to hang out with friends. Um, I got a couple of buddies that I know over at the beach, so we play video games together every once in a while. Um, but <laughs> between school and racing, it's pretty nonstop. So um, maybe every... It keeps you busy. Just one, uh, exactly. Okay. Uh, and and uh, no hobbies other than that, huh? <laughs> Not really. Those are pretty my. That's pretty much it. Just those two. Okay. Well, and there's no, nothing wrong with that. Um, okay. Well, I, I tell you, you guys have uh, a couple of the best looking cars on the track. I always like seeing them, especially under the lights at Iowa Speedway. Uh, those Sunrise Ford cars always look pretty sharp. Yes, they do. Um, okay, so, uh, Blaine, uh, are there any other tracks? Uh, most of these tracks are tracks that you have not raced at that are currently on the schedule. And I guess we can assume that they'll try to get as many of those into the schedule as possible. Are there any tracks that you've kind of had circled that you've kind of put a little extra effort in uh, to prepare for? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I think Kern County is home race. Um, I think that's a big one for us. And Irwindale as well, home home race for the team. Um, but I think one we've definitely circled from the beginning of the year is Phoenix. We know it's going to be our championship race. And um, I've never personally been to Phoenix, but I've been able to run at some of these bigger racetracks. So hopefully um, I'll be able to adapt a little bit quicker than some of the other drivers. Um, and when it comes down to it, I mean, championship weekend, Hopefully um, it pays off, and um, our hard work throughout the year will get us that big trophy. Okay. Uh, and uh, are there any other shout-outs that you want to put out there before we say goodnight? Yeah, absolutely. I want to say one more thank you to Bob Brincotti and Sunrise Ford Racing um, for giving me the opportunity to race for them this year, and um, Four Star Fruit for being with me for ever since I started racing. So it's really cool to have them with me again. Um, Reeves Complete Auto Care Center. He's been with me ever since late models, and um, he's always a big supporter of mine and was super excited this past weekend when I got my first win. He was one of the first people to call me. Um, also having poor performance on the car this year with uh, Haas Racing Development, pretty cool. Um, oh, so yeah. hopefully we'll be getting to um, maybe going back to the shop. Obviously it's a little bit different with the pandemic this year going on, but um, hopefully going back there and meeting some people um, would be really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is so different with this pandemic because everything's kind of changed up. It's hard to talk about the future tracks because uh, we're not sure which ones exactly you're going to race or when you're going to race them. But um, I think uh, I think we've got a lot to look forward to for this season as well because uh, – especially with Irwindale coming up next. I, I really am thinking that that's going to be a great opportunity for Sunrise Ford and the two drivers there, yourself and Trevor Huddleston. So uh, thanks for coming on, Blaine. We always look forward to it, and uh, let fans know how they can follow you. Yep, so the best way to follow me is on Facebook. Um, my Facebook handle is um, at Blaine Perkins. 
So um, you can go ahead and follow my athlete page on there, and we try to keep up to date with um, press releases throughout the weekend, how the weekend's going, and um, how the weekend ended up. So um, definitely the best way to get in contact with us, and um, hopefully you guys follow and keep supporting us throughout um, all these races for the rest of the year. Okay, well, we'll definitely be following along, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of other fans as well, Blaine. And uh, good luck to you out at Irwindale, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on tonight. Okay, take care now. All right, that is Blaine Perkins driving the number nine car for uh, um, Bob Brunkati Racing. Uh, Sunrise Ford, and uh, we always look forward to talking to Blaine, Sal. Yeah, it was, um, man, an exciting win. You know, like I said, you know, his, his first two, um, his first pole, and actually he ended up, you know, getting both poles, you know, and then getting his first win, you know, and uh, especially on a road course, you know, it, it's not easy to, you know, to, uh, you know, to get your first one on a road course, you know, especially, you know, when you're used to, you know, racing almost, you know, your whole career. Mm-hmm, that is so true. Again, Sal, we've got two more races to review. <laughs> this has been a really busy night. Uh, we've got two more races to review here, uh, and then I'm going to have you go ahead and do the points report uh, once I give the uh, top ten. Uh, we're going to start with the NASCAR Cup Series uh, Organics 325. That was the first race that ran on Saturday uh, for the Cup Series. Kevin Harvick won that race. Uh, by a pretty wide margin. Uh, behind him was Denny Hamlin, who was closing the gap but couldn't quite make it uh, close enough to make a pass. Eric Almarola finished in third. Christopher Bell, the highest finishing rookie, in fourth. And Kyle Busch rounding out that top five. The next five are Martin Truex Jr., Clint Boyer, Michael McDowell, a great run for him, Brad Keselowski in ninth, and Chris Buescher, another driver with a great run, uh, rounds out that top ten. Uh, the race was pretty good. Uh, I thought there was quite a bit of passing uh, throughout the day, uh, but uh, Kevin Harvick kind of came out of uh, came out and uh, took that lead in, in the uh, first race. Yeah, you know, it wasn't your typical uh, Pocono race, you know, where everybody, you know, you know, it's one of those, you know, races, you know, that, you know, oh, here comes Pocono, you know, okay, you know, let's, um, you know, find something let's to do, lose. you know, today. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, it's a good time to take a nap or something, but, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. I mean, even though Kevin Harvick did run, did run with the, with the wind, but still, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of strategy, a lot of strategy in, uh, being played with the, uh, with the, um, especially with the competition cost, competition cautions and the, uh, um, and the, and the stage, you know, you know, the, the, the stage ones and stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, now I'm going to kind of go into the uh, next race here, Sal, since we're kind of tight on time here. Uh, it's kind of the reverse of what they did on Saturday. Uh, this time it was Denny Hamlin in the lead and Kevin Harvick uh, chasing him down uh, to finish second. Uh, Eric Jones finished in third place. Chase Elliott was the fourth-place finisher, and Eric Almarola, two top fives in both of those races for him. 
uh, for Eric Almarola. So that was really good to see. Uh, rounding out the next five are Matt DiBenedetto in sixth place, William Byron finished seventh, Clint Boyer in eighth, Alex Bowman with a ninth place finish, and Martin Truex Jr., which, by the way, it is his and Jeff Burton's birthday today. So a big shout out and happy birthday to both of those both of those uh, NASCAR folks. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was it was an inter, it was interesting between Danny Hamlin and and Kevin Harvick because uh, Kevin came in first to pit and Danny stayed out and I guess the way it should have worked was Danny should have come in you know, a lap or two after Kevin, but he stayed out and built that lead. So by the time he came into pit, you know, he came out, you know, he was, a, you know, a, what, two or three seconds ahead of Kevin, and Kevin could just never close the gap. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, then once again, you know, you know, once again, you know, it came out to, you know, out to pit strategy, and everybody kind of thought it was going to be once a leader came in, you know, it was going to be follow the leader, and it didn't, it didn't end up working out that way. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching the different strategies uh, playing out because all these different teams had different strategies uh, that they had kind of put into place. And it, it came down to, okay, which strategy is going to be the winning strategy uh, because all those strategies were gambles when you really when it really came down to it. Yes, Let's it go did. Ahead. It, was, it was you ready for the points. Yep, let's go ahead and do the points. But you can finish okay, your comment then, if you want to. <laughs> oh yeah, I was just saying this. I was just going to say the same thing. You know, it was, it was uh, you know, it was um, you know, some it was some good racing. You know, the the pit strategy just was really, really amazing. It wasn't a one of those of races. So, anyways, we're gonna back with the points. We got Kevin Harvick is, is uh, Kevin Harvick at first, Ryan Blaney second, Brett Keselowski third, Chase Elliott fourth. And Danny Hamlin rounds out the the top five, and actually, our top six, seven, eight drivers each have a win already. So we're gonna, you know, once the chase starts, you know, we're gonna start looking, you know, down and you know, you know, who's gonna mm-hmm. be, you know, the the bubble drivers and who's gonna be the drivers, you know, that are in and then the ones that are out. But you look at um, so we're halfway Kevin there Harvard, now. Yeah, we're, and you look at Danny Hamlin is actually leading the series with uh, with four wins, having a super, I mean, just a phenomenal season. So mm-hmm. down from there, then we go to Joey Logano in sixth, Martin Truex seventh, Alex Bowman eighth, Eric Almarillo ninth, and Kurt Busch rounds out the top ten. And we had to go all the way down to Eric Almarillo, Al Almarola that was our, was is the first driver, you know. In, in the top 16 without a win. And then from there, then we go down to Kyle Busch, 11th. Jimmy Johnson, 12th. He's having a heck of a season this year. Getting, you know, some good, strong finishes in there, you know, staying up in the, uh, you know, and, and, you know, to make the chase this year after missing it last year. Clint Boyer, mm-hmm. 13th. Matt, Matt De Benedetto, 14th. William Byron, 15th. And Eric Jones, 16th. And actually, after the first race, Tyler Reddick was in that 16th spot, and he dropped two spots because of the because of the issues that he had during the second race. So, um, mm-hmm. amazing season for he's sitting 18th. But I mean, Tyler Reddick is having an amazing season <laughs> for being a rookie, and, oh, especially yeah. you know you know driving for Richard Childress Racing, who really hasn't been a, a factor, you know, in the last I don't know how many years. You know, you got to go back. 
But um, Eric Jones is sitting on that bu- – he's that bubble driver right now. And uh, um, Austin Dillon is right now sitting uh, 14 points behind him. No, he's not sitting 14. Uh, he's sitting uh, a lot of points behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 14. 14 points 14. behind him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Tyler could still be in this. I mean, he's, he's like you say, within striking distance. Uh, there's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, and Chris Buescher sitting in 19th and 20th. Uh, so I think it's going to be a battle all season long. Those guys are going to be battling to be in that top 16. Uh, and uh, Tyler Reddick just has the attitude uh, of uh, he he's going to try to do everything he can, I'm sure, to be up in that top uh, top group. So uh, very very exciting. Uh, now race two. Let me go ahead. I know you did the points already, but race two. Um, well, I did do that already. I, I, I guess we covered everything. I felt like we were missing something. <laughs> no, the only thing we missed were the points from race one. We went into race two. Yep. Yep. As well, far as thank the points. you, Sal, for being here. Uh, we had a lot to cover tonight. Three really good guests, and uh, definitely uh, looking forward to the weekend of racing over the holiday at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Just a reminder to fans, this is a crossover event where uh, a lot of these races will now start to be covered by NBC Sports Network. Uh, I know that since because of the pandemic, I think they're allowing Fox to run a little bit longer and there's some kind of an agreement. But uh, this is supposed to be the crossover event, and I think uh, beginning with this event, you're going to start seeing NBC Sports Network a little bit more often. Yeah, it's that, it's that time of the season where we, where we make that, that transition. So, uh, you know, we've got a lot more racing left, and hopefully, you know, it, it keeps up, you know, the way it has been going. Yeah, exactly. Are you going to make it out to Irwindale, Sam? Next, I'm going to Stockton for the, uh, instead of going 10 minutes from home, I'm going five hours from home. <laughs> For the for the Spears <laughs> SRL Tour race. Ah, okay. Well, uh, definitely uh, that sounds like fun as well. So I hope you enjoy it. Be safe, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, chatting with you on the other side. Okay. Well, everybody have a good weekend. Enjoy yourselves, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Good, good night. night. All right, it is the top of the hour, and that means it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, joining us now, I think I do see Jay. Jay, is that you? Are you here? <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Uh, hopefully my signal will hold up. I'm going to be in route in the vehicle, so if I do lose signal, I'll call back when I get back to, to home. Oh, Okay. Uh, and then also joining us is Mike Orzel. Welcome to the show, and get ready for a big hi-yo. <laughs> All right, so there it is. And uh, it looks like, is this Andy? Andy, is that you? It sure is. How's it going, Sharon? I thought you weren't going to be able to make it tonight. Um. That was I think that might have been Thursday. No, we're good to go for tonight. So finally back oh, on. Glad to be here. That's awesome. <laughs> Our co-host is here for tonight. All right. So finally. we probably get <laughs> we probably got a lot to talk about here. 
So, uh, Andy, since you're the co-host, I'm going to go with you first. What's our first topic? Yeah, kind of a little bit of big news today and certainly involves the uh, the championship awards banquet for the Cup Series uh, at Nashville. Unfortunately canceled for 2020. Obviously want to get everyone's thoughts on that. Pretty uh, significant development there. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? I don't think it really comes as much as a surprise. We've all been kind of hoping this COVID thing. Uh, I will, I'll, I'll refrain from some of the adjectives that I can use to, uh, to describe it. But we were all hoping this COVID thing would have kind of, you know, fizzled out by now. And unfortunately, it seems to be hanging on, or at least the, uh, the reaction measures to it are most certainly hanging on. Um, obviously, the banquet wasn't supposed to be for several more months, but I'm sure that there are certain deadlines as far as facility rental, arranging for catering, and, you know, all the other things that go on in the background to put an event like that on. I'm sure they are coming up on some of those deadlines where they had to make the decision now um, or they weren't going to be able to hold the, hold the event either way or at least not in the way that they wanted to. So that's probably what drove that decision, the announcement now. Okay. Uh, Jay, any comments? Yeah, it's, it is unfortunate, but I, I think they're doing the right thing and being prepared so they're not scrambling at the last minute. Um, and obviously we don't know anywhere. I don't know if they announced where they're planning on moving it. Uh, I didn't get to see that update, but they, you know, have a better plan if they know Nashville is an area that may be a issue to try and plan ahead. The fact that they said they are still going to plan on returning there in 2021. The fact that this was the first year in Nashville kind of hurts that, but again, everybody in the world is going through the same thing and being understanding it may be that we end up seeing it where it is a teleconference overall. So that might be something they have in plan as a backup as well. Exactly. Uh, I'll go ahead and read the statement. Excuse me. It says, with the uncertainty surrounding the coronavirus, the impact on the industry, this year's NASCAR Champions Week and NASCAR Cup Series Awards originally scheduled to take place in Nashville will not occur. The 2020 NASCAR Cup Series, NASCAR Xfinity Series, and NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series um, champions will be celebrated at the end of the season and with more details to come. We do look forward to returning to Nashville in 2021. So uh, I think uh, everything that can be said has already been said, so I don't have too much to add to that. Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, certainly disappointing, I think, in the sense that, you know, the the banquet has had some kind of things missing the last few years, and I think a lot of that had to do possibly with location. And I think that last year we saw more interest and in popularity surrounding the Champions Banquet having been held in Nashville. I thought it was um, a home run from NASCAR when they did that. And, and certainly, you know, to have that not happen this year is disappointing to see. But at the same time, it's completely understandable. I think when you consider that, um, unfortunately, this pandemic isn't just going to go away overnight. And, and quite frankly, you know, I hate to say it, but a, a banquet like that's not really necessary. I think the priority, you know, in getting the season in and getting all the races in, obviously, is what matters most. But celebrating a champion is cool, but it's not really something that needs to happen. So I think when you look in terms of 
getting a large crowd together like that, it's really not necessary. And you can kind of see why they put the thought into not doing it. I think that, um, I don't really think they, I don't think they used the word postponed. I believe, as you already said, Sharon, in the statement, it was canceled. So not really sure how they'll um, acknowledge the champion, maybe, as you said, teleconference or some media online forum, I'm sure. But you can see why they did it for sure but nonetheless it's um you know disappointing i thought that um last year's banquet in nashville was for the first time in a while you know a breath of fresh air and i think helped gain some popularity for that particular event so um but you can see why it happened and and hopefully we'll see them back there you know in future years to come all right uh mike any follow-up no that's about it um Obviously, they're going to be in the Nashville market for the National Super Speedway race sometime in June. So it sounds like NASCAR's uh, they're going to be back in Nashville with a vengeance, both for the uh, for the venue or for the uh, the banquet venue as well as a race. So I don't think the Nashville fans have anything really to worry about in terms of long term future. Okay, Jay, any follow up? Well, I may may need some clarification here. I thought they were just canceling it as far as holding it in Nashville, that they intended to move it somewhere else, or at least at this point. And that's why I said I hadn't heard the update on that. I don't know that they were planning on canceling it altogether. It just wasn't going to be in Nashville due to that area of how they're affected right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it says that they will be celebrated at the end of the season. They, They just don't have the details yet. And they're saying more details to come. So there will be some type of celebration, and when they have those details together, they'll they'll announce it. But uh, it's not going to occur in Nashville. Jay, it's going to be at your house, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> right, let me, yeah. Okay, so that's the details <laughs> to follow. I haven't gotten that call yet. Uh, I, know I, always want to help out. I want to help out and all, but, yeah, um, <laughs> let, me, let me work on that. I mean, Jeff Gordon, uh, he toasted with uh, with milk. I'm pretty sure if it's at Jay's house, he'd be toasting with Mountain Dew. Well, you know that. You know that. You know that. Yes. Okay. So, so uh, again, did, did, did that, did, I'm having a hard time talking tonight. Did that clarify it for you, Mike? Yeah. Like I said, that, that is what it was. What I thought I had heard was, and that's what I took from it anyway, was just that it wasn't going to be a national. I assumed they had another location in mind. But like I said, they may be looking at doing some type of teleconference if they feel they still need to be separated, in which case then I'm sure Fox Fox Sports will be involved um, as well as just like they were during the, the shutdown. You know, they'll find a way. They do a phenomenal job with that of integrating everything. So. I think it will still be a celebration of some sort. It may be a separate individual houses and online or on Fox <laughs> one, but I think they will find a way to do it because, and I, I, I know what Andy's saying is, you know, the half of your doing this celebration with a large group of people isn't as important as getting the races in and, and that, but celebrating that champion and not just the champion, but the different awards, um, certainly is important. So I think they will find a way, like I said, to, if nothing else, do it via multi-camera teleconference or something to that extent, as we have seen them do throughout the uh, shutdown with Race Hub and everything. I agree. I agree. They have found a way uh, to make things happen, and, and you do have to applaud them for that, and I'm sure that they'll find a way to make this happen as well. Andy, did you have any follow-up? 
No, I didn't. Um, I guess that I was under the misunderstanding that it was completely canceled. So that is a bit of good news to think that they will do something for it, you know, as the season winds down. Obviously, like I said, disappointing that they can't do the full deal in Nashville, but you can see why, and, and I'm sure whatever they do mm-hmm. will we'll, uh, we'll have to suffice for the year. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next topic, and, Jay, I'm going to go to you for that. All right. Well, I'm going to go to the Xfinity Series race. We saw driver Justin Haley be called not only to the hauler, but then penalized during the race for, I, I want to say they used the term aggressive driving, um, <laughs> not disputing that maybe it was there, but wanted to see your guys' or hear your guys' take first. Uh, but Justin Haley being penalized for aggressive driving. Okay, Andy, we'll go to you first on this one. Well, we'll just have to try to call it like it is. I, I didn't watch the race. I'll start out by saying that, but I did see the replay. And it's very obvious that Riley Herbst ran Justin up the track. And, I, you know, like anyone would be, Justin didn't like it, and he hooked him. It, it was clear as day on the replay. Anyone that thinks differently um, <laughs> is kidding themselves. He hooked him. It was it was as obvious you know, to me, as, as as I've ever seen as far as an intentional wreck is concerned. So you can see why NASCAR made the call, and, and you can see why, you know, Justin had to serve the penalty that he did. So you can you can get the frustration, you know, on Justin's part. Obviously, when you feel like you've been done wrong, you're, you're going you're gonna to retaliate. There's probably far better ways and areas to do it on the racetrack than on the straightaway where it's as blatant as day, but... He did what he did. He got penalized for it, and we move on. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, that was about as clear of a uh, of a call as NASCAR could have. There's always ambiguity, or at least there's usually ambiguity when it comes to whether a wreck was intentional or whether it was a mistake. You know, think back to Kyle Busch taking Chase Elliott out at the first Darlington race. Um, that was. If you just looked at the tape without any sort of context, it looked like a very obvious Kyle Busch wrecked Chase Elliott. But then after looking, there was really no reason that Kyle Busch would do that. It wasn't a retaliation. Both drivers said that, yeah, it was, it was a mistake on the track, all that. Um, there's really – that was a lot more of an ambiguous situation. Justin Haley, like we said, is, is absolutely clear-cut. Uh, I mean, he didn't even wait a lap to uh, to let things cool off or anything. That was – that was probably as blatant as when Ross Chastain wrecked uh, Kevin Harvick at Darlington a few years ago. Um, just did not like how things played out in the previous turn and decided to take it out by spinning the car in front of him. Um, if NASCAR is going to penalize aggressive driving, that is about the clearest cut case to do it. And if they don't penal, if they don't penalize something like that, it sends the message that anything is acceptable and it really opens the door to some some pretty bad driving. Yeah, it would have been interesting to be a fly on the wall in the hauler after the race. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't like the the retaliation portion of it, but it is one of those of how do you know Riley Herbst wasn't intentional driving him up into the wall to start with? Okay, so, and I believe it was Haley's in-car audio that, that you listened to. He didn't deny it. He said, why is it the one... You know, if somebody hits you and you hit back, why is you get penalized for hitting back when you got punched first, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to racing, and again, obviously, you know, as, as Mike referenced, the, the situation between Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch, was that intentional? 
maybe not. You know, you just lost the car or lost track of where the other driver was. Obviously, Haley didn't lose track of where Riley Herbst was. He knew where he was, and he knew where he was and what he wanted. So I understand the clear cut of, hey, that was intentional. However, you go back to, and I hate to feed Mike here, but Noah Gregson is an aggressive driver. He has bumped into people. He has run over people. Okay, so if the term is aggressive driving, though, where do you, is it that has to be intent, which it's kind of wrong that it's the person who got wrecked first and retaliates, because they're wrecked either way. So I, I kind of like back in the day when they, the sanctioning body said, boys have at it, you're going to settle it amongst yourselves. However, we saw that with Brad Keselowski and Denny Hamlin, where one driver chose to run in a particular race they wouldn't normally just for that purpose. They were clear about it. They did it. That's where then it's going to get out of line of, okay, you're getting out of control with handling it because then it's going to affect other drivers. So I see the need to step Mm -hmm. in, but I'm kind of on Haley's side of, hey, I got wrecked, but if I wreck somebody, I'm going to get penalized because they know it's intentional because it's retaliation. So next week, if he just runs over somebody, or that uh, runs over Riley Herbst next week, is it still intentional then, or can he say, hey, I wrecked him first, it was an accident, I lost my car? Yeah, it's a slippery slope. What do you think, Mike? Well, the big difference is Riley Herbst got run up maybe a lane. I'm sorry, Justin Haley got run up maybe a lane or so by Riley Herbst. He didn't hit the wall. I don't even know that there was so much contact between the two cars. And if it was, it wasn't enough to cause any kind of damage that would have ruined either guy's day. Um, so even if there was contact, it's not like Haley got wrecked. He just got moved a little bit versus the action that Justin Haley took destroyed Riley Herbst's race car and ruined his team's day and their chance to, to win the race. That's the big difference there. So I get, you know, that the Haley's argument, hey, he hit me first kind of a deal. Okay, that's fine. If you want to make, you know, eye for an eye kind of thing, run him up the track the next turn. Don't turn the car into the inside wall and total it and ruin their race. I think that's over overboard in terms of getting even. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I got to go with Mike on that one for sure. Um, you know, it, you know, being run up the racetrack is obviously what ticked him off and, and put him in the position to, to hook him. And it was very obvious that he hooked him. So, I mean, we've seen the rare instances where it's an accident, which has already been spoken about, the Chase Elliott-Kyle Busch incident at Darlington. But most most times, you know, when we see incidents like this on the straightaway, it's because they've been hooked intentionally. And, and it was clear retaliation for being run up the track. And like I said, anyone that, you know, I don't really see how you can argue differently on this because it was it was very obvious, you know. So you you can see why the call was made. Yeah, and the only thing I guess I would add to that conversation is that uh, uh, a lot of times when somebody does something like that, it ends up hurting them as much as it hurts the other guy. So uh, in this case, uh, Justin had to sit out two laps and uh, serve that penalty. Uh, And I'm just wondering, I'm going to kind of add to the conversation here, is NASCAR going to do more to penalize him or is that enough? Okay. Well, first off, the fact that they did penalize him uh, immediately when it happened, and I do like that. If they felt it was intentional, which I, I think everybody does, 
they did handle it right then and there. They penalized him the two laps. It took him, him out of that race, so he couldn't continue and win that race or have a shot at it. So in my opinion, then, if that's what they've opted to do, it should be done. But to go back to Andy, and he said he couldn't see how somebody could argue this, I'll show you how you argue it. Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott at Martinsville in 2018. Hamlin clearly ran into Chase, into the wall, to get by him. Martin Strix and Joey Logano at Martinsville clearly ran into him to get by him. Jimmy Johnson over Martin Truex at the Roval trying to get the position. He didn't get the win. Those were clearly intentional, but they were going for the win. Does that make it okay? So there have been other times where you clearly were going to hit that car to get him out of your way. Why is it only if you're penalized if it's a retaliation for them having hit you, whether that was intentional or not, it was at least a payback which to me is more justifiable in a way than going for a win, you know. I mean, you're not the one starting it, you're finishing it. And I'm not condoning it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not condoning it. But I don't necessarily feel that they should, he should have immediately been penalized. Okay, uh, let me see. I can understand why they did to a degree, but I also understand Haley's point of then what is aggressive driving. If they run you up to get by you, just to get a position or go for the win or whatever, that's clearly intentional most of the time. As a, the couple that I've mentioned, you know, and Denny Hamlin said the same thing. I, you know, the bump and run. Got to bump him a little hard or whatever. So that is intentional and aggressive, but they don't get penalized. It's only if somebody retaliates that they get penalized. Now, just yeah, to clarify, I, I they both you. went to the hauler, right? They were both sent to the hauler? No, I think it was driver uh, Haley and his crew chief, Yarns. I don't think that but, Riley Herbst, to the best of my knowledge, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think Herbst got called. Okay. Andy, was that you? Had something more to say? Yeah, no, I, I do see your point in that, Jay, you know, where it seems like no one gets penalized for bump and runs, to your point. I, I totally see what you mean there. Um, I just, I just have to think that in this case, you know, Justin, you know, had just been run up the track and, you know, he, he immediately hooked the 18. And I think maybe that's where he somehow overstepped a line in NASCAR's eyes. And I don't know what the line is, but I totally get what you're saying. You know, why, why are the bump and runs not penalized, but why would retaliation be penalized? I get it. I see where you're coming from. Um, you know, but I think, Certainly in the case of Riley Herbs, he's lucky it wasn't worse than it was. Being being hooked like that, that could have been a pretty vicious hit to the outside or inside wall. So I think that's where NASCAR has to step in and say, all right, that's a little bit much. We need to not do that again. As far as him being further penalized, I don't think that's necessary. I think that what they did in the race was enough, and hopefully they can just move forward to Indianapolis and have it be in the mirror view mirror. Okay, Mike, any follow-up? Yeah, I mean, the line should be, at least it seems like it should be fairly clear, proportionality. I don't think anyone would have been penalized or called to the hall or if Haley had just run Riley up the, up the corner, you know, in the next turn or two. You know, put the bumper to him in the same way that he felt it got done to him. You know, race, race the other guy like he races you. Um, I don't think a proportional response would have gotten the penalty during the race or after the race like a, like he got and I still think that it was an appropriate penalty to uh, to park the 11 car for those two laps basically to take his chances away uh, just like he took the 18s now the difference is 
Macaulay Racing didn't have to rebuild the destroyed race car as a result of that, like uh, Joe Gibbs Racing did with the 18 car. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Okay, anybody else have any other follow-ups there? Yeah, I, I do a little bit. Let me let me be clear. I don't think that intentionally hooking somebody in like that is right. I, you know, but if NASCAR's stance is it was aggressive, like I said, if you're going for a race win and you hook somebody directly, that to me is the same thing. It's still an intentional, aggressive move. In this case, you were the first one to do it. Why is it okay? Because you were going for a win. And I'm also, in, you know, you've heard me say this. I'm, I'm okay with the bump and run to get by a guy or to get a win, especially when you have the faster car. I just, I understand Haley's frustration of, I have to do it first, which that kind of sets a negative tone if you have to be the first one to do it. Like I said, if he would have waited until next week and it happened, they're still going to go back and look and be like, yeah, that could be retaliation. I don't like NASCAR getting into the point of making a judgment call on whether or not it was intentional. And this one was clearly not a judgment call because it was obvious. I get that. But there are other ones that, that could have been intentional or it was intentional because it was for the win but it wasn't in retaliation, so that's okay. That's what. That's where I have that little bit of a question of, of when you're getting into that judgment. I, I mean, like I said, mm-hmm. I don't think what he did was right. Very dangerous, you're right, especially on a track like Pocono because they got a long way to go before they hit that wall like that. So it is a dangerous thing, and I understand that NASCAR said, hey, we don't want that. But in the essence of it, it's a retaliation thing. If you do it first, it's okay. Well, I think the, the difference is, like you said, it has to be obvious. NASCAR seems to have a very long history of erring on the side of not doing something until their hands are effectively tied. Take uh, Bubba Wallace admitting to intentionally spinning to bring out a caution. There's been, you know, over the past few years, dozens of instances where drivers have been accused of intentionally spinning to bring out a caution when they have a tire go down or something along those lines. But without any clear-cut proof, NASCAR hasn't done anything. The only time they really took action on that, and it was the exact same, uh, same result on track of a car with a flat tire spinning out, is when the driver straight out admitted that that's exactly what they did. At that point, NASCAR's hands were tied. They had to take action. I think if there were any more ambiguity about it being an intentional wreck, I don't think they'd be as quick to take action like they did. Hmm. Okay. Um, Mike, I think it's your turn to bring up the next topic. Well, before this whole pandemic foolishness kicked off, Jimmy Johnson was scheduled to do an IndyCar test uh, at Barber Motorsports Park. I believe it was the second weekend or third weekend of March. Um, That obviously got canceled due to basically motorsports shutting down for the ensuing two months. Uh, But Jimmy just announced today that he will be driving a Chip Ganassi Racing prepared IndyCar in a test session at Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend. Okay. Uh, Before we go around the horn here, I'm going to go ahead and do my spiel now. Uh, So we are going to go off the air at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time And uh, we will continue recording the rest of that conversation, uh, even though we may go off the air midstream here. 
that conversation is available on our podcast, and I go out on Twitter to let everyone know that the podcast is available, and uh, that's when people can start listening to the rest of that conversation. If you've listened up to this point, up to this two-hour mark, all you have to do is when that podcast becomes available, is fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. And then uh, you'll be able to hear that. And uh, it's considered bonus overtime material here at Fan for Racing Radio. So if you're listening to the podcast, it's going to be pretty seamless, and you'll be able to listen straight through. Uh, But we do like to alert fans just so you're not taken uh, off guard when we go off the air. Uh, And just to reassure you that we do continue recording. So with that, um, uh, Jay, why don't you go first on this one? Well, I'm glad to see it's still happening. I know that, like you said, that was scheduled originally in March. Um, that, that hasn't been set aside completely now that they have the capability to do it. He's still going forward with that, and we talked about that. Is That is one we would kind of like to see instead of coming from open wheel to NASCAR, maybe possibly going NASCAR to IndyCar. Um, and the talent that Jimmy Johnson has, his, he's shown his capability as a driver across several uh, aspects of motorsports. So I am looking forward to it and excited about it. And I know that was one Mike and I had talked about is in the area. So maybe we need to do a road trip. I just went by Barbara Motorsports Park <laughs> yes, uh, over the weekend. Okay, Andy, well, the test is gonna be The test isn't at Barber now. It's at Indy. So it's going to be a bit more of a road trip if you want to go see it. Okay, I'm still up for road trips, but <laughs> and and <laughs> go ahead. <clears throat> no, I'm, this is exciting. Honestly, I think that um, it's going to be really cool to see what Jimmy can do in an Indy car. There's there's no denying his talent. There's no denying what kind of a race car driver he is, and I I, I think you can call it highly anticipated is perhaps the right uh, the right phrase to use. I I think that you know Chip Ganassi's Indy car program speaks for itself. And um, it's going to be fun to see him out there. I think that'll be uh, this weekend on the Indy Road Course. So um, looking forward to it. And to be honest, I'd love to see him possibly run a, a race or two next year. You know, he's certainly earned the right to to try his hand at different forms of motorsports. And um, certainly looking forward to seeing what he'll be able to do behind the wheel. Okay, Mike. Yeah, uh, I think the same excitement level that we had back in February when we were talking about this on Hot Topics, I think we're all still on the same page. Everyone wants to see Jimmy Johnson, what he can do in an IndyCar. Uh, He did participate in one or two of uh, the IndyCar iRacing events. I think he did the uh, the Barber Motorsports race and maybe the Watkins Glen race. Um, He didn't do particularly well in those events, but he didn't do very well in the the, uh, NASCAR Cup Series events either. So... uh, I'd like to see what he does in a real car. Obviously, it's very different than uh, than I racing. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing as well. But uh, uh, I think that Jimmy's made it clear that just because he's uh, closing out his career with NASCAR that uh, we can expect to see him back in a car somewhere. And I think IndyCar is a good fit for him. So, I think it's a good thing uh, just to kind of chime in with with, uh, my agreement with everything that you guys have said. Jay, did you have any follow-up? I I certainly do here. I'm going to follow Andy's lead since he has volunteered me to host the NASCAR Cup Series Banquet. 
I'm going to volunteer Mike to get a plane and come pick each of us up, and we're going to go to Indy for this test session. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, any any follow up uh, beyond that? Well, Jay, you've got two pilots here that can get you there, so you're in good shape. <laughs> it's just the plane which I have to buy, right? Let, let me guess. That's up to me then. Well, well, you know, you know, we're holding we're holding up our end. You know, me and Andy fly the airplane. Somebody's got to provide the airplane. Each of us has a stake in this thing. Is this yeah, the okay. Houston series? Yeah, that's yeah. That's, there we go. <laughs> okay, okay, Andy. I think that leads us back to you. Did you uh, have another hot topic you wanted to talk about here tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just read uh, tonight actually that that reading that Brad Kozlowski has still not signed a contract extension with Team Penske for 2021, and I certainly think that opens the door for speculation for his future, as we've already discussed previously on Hot Topics, but certainly I think the further we go in the year, the more there's going to be some discussion about that. Okay. Uh, Mike. (laughs) If only there was a guy who was writing an article series about <laughs> potential opportunities for drivers. Um, yeah, I, I think I've made it. I've made it pretty clear, and I think uh, that uh, the latest edition of the uh, the 48 car series uh, will make it even more clear of who I believe uh, Brad Keselowski will be driving race cars for next year, and it won't be Roger Penske. I believe he's going to be in that 48 car. Um, there's a lot of evidence. Obviously, it's all circumstantial and anecdotal. Uh, but there's, there seems to be a lot of evidence building and growing that despite Brad having a pretty successful year this year with Team Penske, I still think he's going to move out of that two car and over to the 48 car for next year. Okay. Mike, or I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> well, and I, and I would think, I know they said there's still hope that maybe Team Penske would, and who's holding out against who as far as a better contract or deal um, in this case, obviously, it's all playing uh, more favor towards Brad as he is doing real good right now. Um, so I get the feeling the fact that it hasn't been signed by now, more than likely it is not going to happen. If not, it is going to cost Roger Penske. And I know part of it might possibly be the sponsor, and maybe Brad wants to stay there, but if the sponsor's not there, Penske can't offer him that. I don't know what... Uh, Hendrick would be able to, obviously, with uh, Ally Financial having re-upped and then Jimmy stepping out, that there is sponsorship there. So that might be that it is Brad Keselowski that is saying, I'd rather stay at Penske, but if the sponsorship and backing isn't there, I have to look elsewhere. But I'm kind of with Mike. The longer it goes here, I think that plays into Brad ended up at Hendrick Motorsports in the 48. Okay, Andy. Well, I, I, I think you'll find that, um, as we've seen in the past, while some driver deals do come together late in the season, the, the top elite drivers, if they're in a really good standing with their team and want to remain together, generally speaking, get the deals done earlier in the year. And that's not to say that Brad isn't in good standing with Team Penske, We don't know the specifics of where things are there, but I think you'll find that if the two sides really wanted to be together for next year, it would have already been done. So um, 
Obviously, Brad's had a lot of success at Team Penske, seemingly has a good relationship with that team, not to imply that anything's bad there, you know, but I certainly think that the stars are aligning for, for Brad to make a move. And I think that when you consider that Brad's, um, when he when he really started to come on the scene, he had a significant tie to Hendrick Motorsports. And I think that the goal has always been to get back there at some point. And it would not be the least bit surprising to see him as the driver of the number 48 Chevrolet for 2021. I know we've already talked about this, but um, I just think that uh, that's the move that you'll see, certainly for next year. And I think that it makes a lot of sense. It seems to me that, you know, Hendrick could really use a a veteran voice of reason, you know, to, to jump in there and, and kind of take the, the, the place of Jimmy Johnson. And, and there's really no better candidate than, than Brad Kozlowski. So um, I tend to think that's the direction that you'll see that team move in. And I could very well be proven wrong and I'd be okay with it. But I think that when you consider, um, you know, Team Penske has Austin Sindrick coming up through the pipeline. Um, this is probably the most logical time for, for both Brad and, and for Team Penske to make a move. Okay, Mike, any follow-up? Yeah, Austin Sindrick really can't be ignored. And I think counterintuitively a little bit, the more successful Brad is this year, the less likely it is for him to return to Team Penske. Because as Brad Keselowski's value continues to rise, the less Roger Penske might want to pay that amount of money and let Brad Keselowski go to bring in Austin Sindrick, which will cost the organization substantially less and shore up the driver development in that two car. Don't forget, Austin Sindrick isn't just some, uh, some random race car driver. He's the son of Team Penske president Tim Sindrick. So it's, the, it's a foregone conclusion that barring something substantial bad happening, Austin Sindrick will be driving a Team Penske car in the NASCAR Cup Series in the very near future, if not next year, I would be shocked if it's not and uh, if it's any later than the 2022 season. Okay. Now, um, just so everybody knows, I don't know that this has anything to do with any announcements or anything, uh, but Team Penske has called a uh, press conference or a media conference uh, via Zoom uh, for this Wednesday, uh, July the 1st, uh, and it makes sense considering that uh, you are going to a Team Penske track with Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend because a lot of the players that are going to be at this teleconference include Brad Keselowski, Will Power, Austin Sindrick, uh, Dane Cameron, Juan Pablo Montoya, Helio Castroneves, and uh, Ricky Taylor. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what that's all about, but uh, just just an FYI that there is a, a conference uh, in the works here with team, that does involve Team Penske, and and one of them at 2 p.m. Uh, the players are Keselowski, Power, and Cindric. So, well, way to way to put us on pins and needles there, Sharon. <laughs> well, I, ha- I hadn't that... I hadn't heard that. Better you well, better hit it... post on that uh, on that article before this uh, before this press conference comes up, just so I don't get completely undercut. 
Yes, I will try to get that uh, out as quickly as I can. I'll try to start uh, see if we can't get that out by tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, just a, just a, a heads up that that is happening, uh, and uh, it is a there was a media alert that came out. It's a Zoom conference, so NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA drivers are all involved. Again, it makes sense that it uh, has to do with uh, being at Indianapolis Motor Speedway over the Fourth of July holiday, uh, and. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, it is a team Penske track, so I think that has a lot to do with this. Okay, anything else that you guys wanted to follow up with? I didn't mean to take the steam out of the balloon. No, well the ones that no, that's good information because like I said, I hadn't heard that, and that does add to it. Um, the fact that it involves a couple other series makes me wonder if it isn't something then that's going to be announced towards. Uh, like the Rolex 24 at Daytona or an announcement of some type of race like that at Indy with the IMSA. Um, um, we'll have to wait until Wednesday to see. But th- that also kind of put me in line for another spinoff topic here. Everybody's putting Austin Sindrick into the two if Brad Keselowski is not. We've seen in the past with the alliance they have with the Wood Brothers, Ryan Blaney went to the Wood Brothers, then moved into Team Penske, so would it not be Matt Benedetto to move up to the number two and Austin Sindrick go into the 21 of the Wood Brothers? Interesting thought, Andy. What do you think? I don't see it happening. I think that um, with Sindrick's ties to, to Team Penske, I, I truly believe that, that they would put Austin in the two car. That's, to me, that is the next logical driver. Uh, to move into the car pending a replacement for Brad, if if that's in fact what happened. So um, I think that Matt has a really good relationship with the Wood Brothers. They're continuing to develop and, and you know, grow a relationship this year. And I find it a little bit of a stretch to think that they would, you know, disrupt that and not continue to, to improve upon things for 2021. You know, I tend to think that, Matty D will probably stay where he's at and you'll see a change, you know, within the team Penske organization. Now that's not to say that you might not see Ryan Blaney or Joey Logano potentially maybe switch car numbers, you know, in sponsors it's happened before, but I, I tend to think that Austin's going to go straight into a team Penske car for sure. Okay, Mike. Yeah, I agree with, uh, with Andy there. Not going to happen. Never going to happen. Uh, Matt Benedetto will stay in the 21 car. Uh, that team, you put those two together, it's like Diet Coke and Mentos, man. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Matt Benedetto has been a—he's uh, been pretty solid in that 21 car. He's been as good or better than Paul Menard ever was. And just the chemistry between Matt and John Wood, especially on the social media side, as well as just in general, that team has has done very, very well together. They're extremely popular. Um, The only time that I would see Matt getting displaced out of that 21 car, because he is only on a one-year deal, uh, the only time I would see Matt getting displaced out of that 21 car is if Brad Keselowski stays in the two car and they want to move Austin Sindrick up into Cup. At that point, I could potentially see Matt Benedetto getting displaced out of the 21 car. But other than that, Matt will stay in the 21. Austin Sindrick will go to either the 12, the tw- uh, 22, or the 2 car, uh, whichever one of those is, uh, is open via reorganization within Team Penske. Okay. 
Any follow-ups, Jay? Uh, your first mistake there, Mike, is those saying never. Uh, I agree with you guys. To me, it would make more sense. You know, Sharon mentioned the ties that Austin Sindrick has directly to Team Penske. And I think the Wood Brothers would be, do good to, I know they've been doing it for reasons and purpose and the way it works out, of having drivers on that one year and then them moving up or to another team and then getting somebody new. I think it would benefit the Wood Brothers team itself to keep especially a solid driver like Matt DiBenedetto in that car for more than one year. Um, but, like I said, we've seen that if that's what Penske's intent is as they developed Ryan Blaney and he moved into a Team Penske car, we've seen that pattern. So if their intent, if they're letting Brad Keselowski go or it happens that way, then to me I see, I see they've set that standard of, sliding one from there from the Wood Brothers over and bringing the new driver into Wood the Wood Brothers. Whether I agree with it or not, that's the pattern they have set. So that is their plan. It's not my plan. It's their plan. Um, and with that, though, with what, what Mike's fun there, if Brad Kozlowski stays, Matt DiBenedetto is the one that gets pushed out and Austin Sindrick goes in, then that doesn't that put Matt at the top of the list for the 48? I haven't read the article yet. Well, as addressed in my uh, 48 car series article where I did put Matt Benedetto in the 48 car, that's exactly the scenario that I laid out um, where Brad does stay at Team Penske, Austin Sindrick takes the 21 and displaces Matt Benedetto onto the free agent market, in which case Matt Benedetto becomes the favorite for the 48 car. Okay. Uh, any follow-up, Andy? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. I've lost track now. I think it's Mike's turn for the next topic. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, if it's my turn or not, I got one uh, here. Uh, we've got a new bubble that we, we can watch now. Um, Andy and I had a discussion in the chat where we were talking about why was Clint Boyer racing Alex Bowman so hard for P8 yesterday. And I pointed out yeah. Clint Boyer wasn't racing for P8. He's racing for P12 in the points. Boyer is now four points behind Jimmy Johnson for that 12th place spot. And why that's so important is, remember, that's the cutoff for the random draw for starting positions for these no-qualifying races. So if Boyer is able to move up into P12 in the points, that's the difference between potentially starting first versus 24th if he's not able to move up into that 12th position. Okay, Andy? Yeah, Mike, sorry I misunderstood you there, but no, yeah, that's exactly why they were being so aggressive. Um, you know, I don't think I've ever, quite frankly, seen, you know, that much aggression to finish eighth. <laughs> but, and, you know, I kind of questioned, you know, damaging the race car like that. But but you're right. I mean, certainly track position means everything. Starting position means everything. And, you know, the difference between first and 24th is quite substantial. So, um, you know, and every position matters. You know, these days every point matters, and, and who knows, maybe that one point is what makes a difference in making the playoffs or not this year. So um, sometimes you you have to fight hard, and, you know, certainly, um, you know, that's what they did there. So you can see why it happened. I, like I said, I, I honestly thought it was a little bit too much aggression, but, you know, if you look at the replay, Bowman get into him and run him up the track, so you can see why Clint didn't take it and kind of gave it right back to him. So, you know. Too bad it wasn't for the lead guys. I mean, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> so, um, you know, that would have been awesome. But, but nonetheless, hard racing. And, you know, I think that 
who knows, maybe that, that point is, is going to come into play later on down the line. I always say that there's uh, there's racing that's going on throughout that track. It's not always just the race that's happening at the front. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are racing for a position that are further back, and it's just that it's as exciting as the, as the uh, fights that take place at the front. Uh, Jay, did you have anything more to say? I always do. Uh, for those for those of us that got told we were supposed to have read the article that's written about the 48 team and we weren't keeping up, watching this bubble for 12th place, if you listen to Sharon and I on our weekly preview, we've been talking about that bubble for three to four weeks now, so keep up. Yep. Now, um, there's a million and one reasons why, why that, that battle could have taken place, just as they did with Justin Haley's incident. You can't take that incident alone. Back it up a few laps. Was there something else in in the previous corner, in the previous lap? Uh, Second, like you said, points matter, whether it be for that 12 spots in points or the overall championship standings at the end of the year. Those one points matter. It could have been a Ford versus Chevy thing, you know, one or the other. One of them might have been struggling with their car, saying, I felt I should have had a fifth, sixth, or a fifth, fourth place car, and they didn't get it, and they were just frustrated. You know, there are so many different reasons. Don't know, like I said, and I think I think my initial thought was back it up a lap or two and see how the rest of the race had been between the two of them, and it just culminated there at the end. Um, but, like I said, it could have been any number of reasons. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe pre-race Bowman messed up Boyer's hair or something. You don't know. Um, but that is what makes NASCAR great, and we want to see you know, I know Mike is big on that of, okay, a battle for the lead, what's going on throughout the rest. You saw it. I was for a spot, and they were slamming and banging mm-hmm. like it was for the lead and for the win. So I like, I mean, again, you don't want to get over-aggressive with it, which it may have been a little aggressive, but like I said, I don't know exactly why. I like to see it, though, because that tells me they are fighting for every position at all times. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts from Andy or Mike? Well, regarding okay. the aggression on that, you know, if you want to compare that to the uh, the Justin Haley incident we were talking about earlier, the big difference there, yeah, both of them had some crumpled up fenders, but both cars kept going straight. Both cars were able to continue and finish the race. Um, so, you know, we talk about what's acceptable and unacceptable aggressive driving. There's your example of acceptable aggressive driving right there where, yeah, they're beating and banging on each other, but they're not taking each other out. They're not destroying each other's race car. Okay. Yeah. There's there a little bit of damage on it, but it's the last lap of the race. Who cares? Okay. Any, any follow-up? Uh, you also got to remember Uh-oh. too, that, uh, uh, Boyer's probably fighting for a job next year. Nothing confirmed yet. Just speculation that I'll throw out there, but you know, sometimes, uh, when you're fighting for the future, you, you gotta be aggressive. That's, a, that's right. a very good, true one as well, yes. Yes, it is. All right. I think that brings us uh, back to Andy. Or is you know, it to Mike be honest, or Jay? I, I, think, I think probably Jay, and truthfully, I'm good. So Jay or Mike, whatever you guys got. Okay, Jay. Well, I, yeah, I did have one more of, uh, you know, and we saw this with the Xfinity Pocono was supposed to be the first one, was for the Cup Series, but we saw the doubleheader with Xfinity, and now we've seen one with the the Cup guys at Pocono. What the thoughts are on doing that two races, uh, Saturday and Sunday type deal? 
the doubleheader. Okay, Mike? I like the idea, but I didn't like the way it was executed at Pocono this weekend with all three series running. And we saw exactly why when the truck race got ran uh, got rained out. And that turned into, I think the grand total was 11 hours and 30 minutes from the start of coverage of the truck race to the end of coverage of the cup race. That's a lot to ask of fans to commit to sitting on the couch for that long of a period of time. And that effectively is going to take away from the ratings and the viewership of those races. Um, so if they want to do doubleheader events, it may be a better idea to not have all three series at the same track for the same event because you run that risk of compression like that. Okay. Jay Andy? I really like the doubleheader concept. And, you know, this is one of those weekends that I had really been looking forward to. Unfortunately, I only get to watch one of the four races. But, um, yeah, the triple header that we saw yesterday was was probably a bit much. Um, I only saw the cup race yesterday, but it seemed like an excessive amount. I I, I shouldn't say that. There's never an excessive amount of racing. But, um, (laughs) you know, it seemed – it seemed like it was an awfully long day and you've got to, you know, factor in that there are some crew members that worked all three races, such as spotters and, you know, pit crew members and whatnot. And that's a huge strain on those, those people. So, um, you know, I I don't really know what the alternative would have been if they could have maybe run something today, but um, double headers are great. Triple header, a little bit too much. Okay. I know we talked about it a little bit, but, it seems to me that uh, uh, the double header might be, or the triple header actually, uh, and it wasn't planned that way. It just kind of ended up that way with the rain delay. That uh, Mike, I think you brought it up that if they did it at a track where they have lights, it might make a little more sense where people can get that break in between. So uh, I'm curious to know if you guys saw. Uh, think that that might make a difference in your thoughts about a triple header. Okay. Well, first off, uh, I think this is a case of NASCAR is trying to make everybody happy or find a Mm -hmm. middle ground. Um, You know, the intent of this is the two races at a track like Pocono. I know they're not the only one we've discussed this and whether track should have two races. Okay. They still get to have their two races. They just got to do it in one weekend fans that are going to said race, especially if you're in a larger group, the amount of money you're spending to travel to a location, wherever it may be and watch racing, you're getting more bang for your buck. I think there there were scheduled four races, Arca trucks, five Arca trucks, Xfinity and two cup. So you're getting that in that package deal. Now the way it worked out at triple header, I don't know that that should ever be scheduled. Uh, Obviously this was not scheduled. They did the best they could a track that has lights, you know, could be a little bit changed a little bit to, like you said, have a break in between. Um, the one thing I took from it that I didn't particularly like when we normally would have a race at, and I'm just going to keep using Pocono, the spring race teams have four weeks, whatever to, to get better and be more prepared. What did we see yesterday? Hamlin and Harvick were on top of their game. Kudos to them. Uh, uh, Hamlin's been on his game since he started at Pocono. Okay. And none of us picked him. I find that hard to believe, but what was the next race? Or, I'm sorry. The first race was Harvick and Hamlin. What was the next race? Hamlin and Harvick. So, and I know Kyle Bush said it, that's where his team excels is getting practiced and that time 
from one race to the next to adjust and get better. And I would mm-hmm. like to see that because that, I think, would allow for different competition up front. I'm not saying better, but different competition, at least up front. Your top teams are still going to be your top teams. And I think even Harvick said it in his post-race after night one. He knew they had to get better because a couple other teams were either already better and he just came out with the advantage on that restart. But he knew he had to get better and you only got the one night to do it. Versus if you have four weeks, you're going to have everybody being better and more prepared. So that's just a little concern. Overall, I thought it went well. Um, Yeah, there were some things that could have been done differently or maybe improved on and as they do more of these, if they do, we'll see that. But that is my one one thing I took away was normally from one race to another, there are at least a couple weeks, uh, if not six, seven weeks, teams are better prepared to come back the second time. Andy? Um, no, I'm good. I, no follow-up on that. Okay. Uh, Mike? No, I think that's enough on that one. All right. We are uh, about six minutes from the top of the hour. Uh, Do you have another one, uh, Mike or or Jay, that uh, could be a quick one? No, I really don't have one for this evening. Okay, and I was going to say I do not as far as hot topics, and I was a little bit busy today and into this evening, actually, um, I didn't totally update our fantasy points, but I can tell you this, that over the weekend with 28 points available, Sam and James took home 19 of them for our fantasy group. Andy was next at 13, Owen at 11, Mike at 10, and I know Sharon said you had a rough weekend at 7. Well, I just learned I had a rough weekend because I also only had 7, so (laughs) you weren't alone down there. It was really bad. All my cars wrecked out or something happened to everybody. Martin Truex gave me hope though. <laughs> so Well, I know you at, I know you asked on uh Sunday morning and I did happen to get up when you messaged and said if anybody's watching the truck race and that was when I woke up following Talladega night night of racing, but I turned it on just in time to see Christian Eckes have a tire problem out of the lead and he was my driver. So yeah, I wish I had slept in a little bit longer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, since nobody's uh, got anything more, why don't we go ahead and start our round table? Mike, we'll start with you tonight. Yeah. Michael Rizzo on Facebook, Mike underscore Rizzo on Twitter. Uh, Look for that final article in the 48 car series discussing who I believe is the most likely candidate for the 48 car. And if you've been listening to Hot Topics for the past hour, I probably already spoiled it, but it's still going to be worth a read anyway. Yes. Okay. And, Jay? Uh, you can follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Mopar MJ 8 on Twitter and Instagram. And i uh, certainly looking forward to it, Mike. I know, uh, you know, some of it we talked about, some of it you talked about it on the show, and – this part's off recording, but I think you're on the right track with a lot of it. I really do. Um, there's a couple I think we've disagreed on or possibilities, but overall I thought, I thought so far it's been great, and I do think you're on a very good track with it. Okay. Andy? Yeah, on Twitter, alasky 14 and um, I will be getting some Hot Topics written material out this week, and uh, I think I mentioned it in our group chat last night. I'm actually really excited for the Xfinity Series um, road course race 
this weekend, mm-hmm. even more so possibly than than the Brickyard 400. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to see all of it, and it should be good. Yep, I, I'm right there with you, Andy. I'm pretty excited about uh, that that road course race for the Xfinity. Uh, I really liked when they raced at uh, LOR or whatever they're calling it now, but uh, I, I'm kind of glad to see them trying the road course at Indianapolis. All right, I am Fan for Racing uh, site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforacing.com where you can hear uh, the podcast of our radio show tonight, and uh, all the articles that uh, we're talking about. I should be able to have the uh, uh, the final part for the uh, 48 series out tomorrow. And, uh, Andy, I can't wait to hear about your hot topics uh, when you when you send that to me. That's always uh, a really good piece as well. So uh, thank you for all that you guys do. I appreciate each and every one of you, as well as our listeners. And uh, for them, for tuning in, whether they're listening to the live broadcast or the podcast, uh, we appreciate all of our, our listeners as well. So with that, I think we're ready to Sharon, call it Sharon. a uh, – yeah. I got, I got one here, uh, a lead-in to Thursday night's hot topic. We were talking about the triple header, and I just remembered seeing that with, between Andy and Mike on the uh, message board during the race. The – Grand Am style of running more than one class at the same track at a, at a time. Oh no. As, yeah. <laughs> and I, well, and I know that's one I've visited a couple of times. I've actually pushed for a little bit around here on dirt track, but something to think about for Thursday night, if we don't have a hot topic uh, specifically, I know we always do, but that'll be one to think about. Cause I know Mike well, brought it Mike up and, and yeah, Andy? I, I brought that up before. It's, it's intriguing to think about. Mike and Andy. Are you guys going to be on Monday, Thursday night? I'm not I think so sure. I time. might have to work. Jay, uh, I mean Andy. Yeah, kind of the same scenario for me. I would call it to be determined, but we'll certainly be on if I can. Oh, I hope you guys are on because that's going to be a good conversation, I think, uh, for Thursday night's show. If they're not on, Jay, we'll have to postpone it. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I definitely want the input from those two because, like I said, I saw them discussing it. <laughs> yes. I know for sure I'll okay. be available on Monday. Okay, Monday's a good – Good. how about you, Andy? TBD? Uh, you know, yeah, to be determined. Unfortunately, um, they made me come back to work. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but um, definitely hoping, you know, between Thursday and Monday, if I can get on at least one of them, that'll be, that'll be good. All right. Dang, uh, dang pilot, so, dang pilots! You can't count on them for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Except flying well, you up to Indy if you buy the airplane. There you uh, go. Well, hey, somebody's got to take control. That falls on the air traffic controller. So <laughs> I'm surrounded. <laughs> Just remember, Jay. <laughs> Just remember, Just remember, Jay. Proceed direct. That's all I need to hear. There you go. Yeah, I know. You guys are always happy when you use that, right? <laughs> okay. Well, with that, uh, I think we're ready to call this a wrap, guys. Uh, and, again, thanks for all that you do. I appreciate it. And if you have not heard the first part of the show, I would recommend everybody uh, make sure you listen to the interviews with Jesse Love, 
Blaine Perkins, uh, both winners in the Utah doubleheader. And then, of course, we had Joe Graff Jr., who's going to be on every fourth or every last um, Monday of the month uh, between now and the end of the season. So June, tw- July 27th is his next visit uh, with our fan for racing crew. So definitely looking forward to that. So, and a nice interview with him too uh, during the second half hour tonight. So thanks everybody. Uh, we'll call it a wrap and can't wait for Thursday night's show. Sounds good. Have a good, good night. night. All right. See you. Talk to you Thursday. <laughs>